0: Welcome, Cow Horse. Full contact by Ben Self with host Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. This
1: episode is brought to us by our friends at Martin Saddlery. Quality is number one. They build those saddles from a block of wood all the way to the finished product. Build their own tree, do their own carving. Done game better, go see them on Facebook at Martinsaddlery.com.
0: Russell, we're back again. Back right here still. We got uh, with us one of our newest converts from Colorado turned Texican. Nice. I've been
1: Taylor, trying to game to Oklahoma.
0: Taylor Gillespie. Texican. The one and only. <laughs> the one and only. Taylor, he's been fighting it out up there in the Rocky Mountain area. And he's been down here in Texas, what, about a year now?
2: Two years. D, two years in April. Two years Next in month. April.
0: Been down here and uh, fighting it out with us and uh, having pretty good success. A lot of limited bridal, limited hackamore stuff, and uh, just uh, getting ready to start his own business. And uh, yeah, so glad to have you with
2: us today. Oh, This is awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, guys. absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So uh, let's just start back to the beginning. Like, uh, what was childhood like? I was and scared. where?
2: And where? Yeah. Uh, moved around quite a bit growing up. All in Colorado, born in Canyon City, which is home to the Royal Gorge. Been there. Yeah, beautiful area. And it's been, I don't know, probably left there around seven or eight years old and moved up to Colorado Springs, where Pikes Peak is. Beautiful area.
0: Do anything with the horses in these days?
2: No, not at that point, no, no horses. My parents had a pretty good-sized cattle ranch in Texas Creek, Colorado, which is West of Canyon City ways, and ran a bunch of cows out there. But they uh, had chosen to sell it at some point, which was before I came along. And so there was always lots of stories growing up about running cows and grandpa doing this and dad doing that. And, you know, almost almost kind of in a, a romantic way, you know, hearing about mm. what they used to do.
0: What were they doing for living there when you were a kid?
2: Uh, my dad practiced law and my mom. Raised us. Perfect. I don't know who had it harder. <laughs> your mom. Yeah. How many brothers yeah, and sisters? I have two sisters. I'm the baby. The next sister to me is about 10 or 11 years older.
0: Oh, geez. Yeah, oh, I, wow. So was, you're a mistake.
2: I, 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 well, hold on. Snuck
0: <laughs> 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 <My, laughs> one by
2: the old goalie yeah. on that one. I, I, uh, I was always told when I was younger that I was an answer to a prayer. Man, we just need a boy. We need a boy. And I was about Ben's age when I realized. Wait a second, <laughs> <laughs> that was a
0: mistake. What wasn't nobody praying for another
2: kid after ten years? Out loud? Exactly. Been through all this. Exactly. I think my dad was forty-two or forty-three when I was born. So oh, that's what you want. It's gonna be kid. pretty close to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think my mom sent him to town to see the doctor right after that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes yep and no more of that, yeah
0: everybody loves a good gilding. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah nothing better than yeah, yeah, I got the two sisters, and they uh the oldest one wouldn't know which end of the horse to put a bridle on the the one next to me loved showing horses and and showed horses growing up, and um but by the time i I came around and had much interest, I mean, I did lead line stuff with her horses, my dad would pull me around the arena doing that. Um, But by about the time I came around to really get too involved in it, she had aged out and went on to better things after high school and everything. Let's see, Colorado Springs, I was there, I don't know, first grade age Mm. or so. We were there for a handful of years. And then we moved to an area, a little town called Rocky Ford, which is in southeastern Colorado in the Arkansas Valley They bought a house in town, and then my dad bought a couple acres outside of town or on the outskirts, and that's kind of where it started as far as a horse deal. I'd wanted a horse, and they wanted me to have a horse. So we started driving around in that area looking for, you know, signs so-and-so quarter horses or so-and-so performance horses or race horses or whatever. And I remember pulling in, I was probably third grade, fourth grade age or so we had gone to some a a breeder around there and they didn't have anything that would fit a kid you know kid horse type but there was a guy there that says oh no i got the perfect one and so we we went over to his his little ranch or barn uh there was this bay mare and i don't know if it was her or just the way god wired me but i'm a sucker for a bay mare and i mean i didn't know any better my dad was going to be the one buying it but we ended up buying this mare, and she was—I don't know—probably 19 years old and navicular, and who knows. But she—I <laughs> got some bay mares for sale. There. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, but she was great, and that uh, I called her Beauty. She had—they uh, called her Taz because I guess she could turn around really fast. But she was Beauty to me. So, um, and that was the beginning of my 4-H career in the Arkansas Valley, Rocky Ford. And then just blossomed. What did
3: you <laughs>
1: do? <laughs> blossomed all the way to here. Yeah. So what did you do with her in the 4-H? Oh, and,
2: have been uh, everything. 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 I mean, showmanship <laughs> and pleasure and horsemanship. And I, I couldn't say, and maybe I'd have to do a phone a friend and call my mom and see exactly what I did on her. But I, one thing that, that sticks out to me, and I remember it like it was yesterday, is at the county fair, my dad put me in the steer Dobbin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I wanted to be a team roper more than anything, and I think where the, the horse deal they pushed me on is because I, I thought I wanted to be a saddle bronc rider when I was in third grade, and <laughs> weren't going to let that happen, so they said, well, let's buy him a horse, and maybe he'll want a rope or something, or ride pleasure. Something or else. Yeah. So um, we're at the fair. I don't know, probably fourth, fifth grade-ish. There and my dad's like, well, let's put you in the. And I'm doing the barrel race and doing everything. Let's put you in the steer dog. And I said, well, what's that? He's like, well, you go in the box and this mare roped. I hadn't roped. I didn't know how to rope a dummy on a bale of hay. He's like, where well, you gonna hold this? You know, big wooden rod with a big old sock soaked in paint on the end of it. And you're gonna run out there and you're gonna, you know, paint the steer steer dog. Yeah, I don't think. That there wasn't a drop of paint on that steering wheel. It was all over me and my brand new hat and my tack and everything. So
0: You can't double-dob them either.
2: No, no. So it was fun. I mean, I remember coming out of the pen and my dad's laughing and having a good old time about it. and I'm so mad I'm crying about it. You know, I was embarrassed. All my friends were there. Pretty girls. You know. You got paint on your hat. I got paint on my black hat. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it was white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was an experience. It was good. I have a great steer dobbing
0: story. I had to fill steer dobbing. <clears throat> We're in Naples, Show in Grand Island, Nebraska, and we'd been uh, oh, we'd been healing on this horse. Summon. We needed one more horse in the steer dobbing to make it up, whatever four pointer or whatever it is. So, hey, we'll get on that stud and go you a steer all right and I, at this point i roped quite a bit and i mean i was accustomed to the whole deal so i back him in the box. i don't think nothing about this rope bear though and so i'm back in there and i'm on i'll never forget the saddle was a good speed roper and it said it so right on the silver horn cap <laughs> and i'm back in the box on this rascal country captain was his name he was a pleasure horse and we started heeling on him and i'm dobbing on him and i nod my steer i'm going at him right and he jumps this barrier and he puts this saddle horn right in my chest. <laughs> oh, You could read Goodspeed speed roper across my sternum. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, he hit me hard. I did not win the steer <laughs> It was a horrible valiant effort. Yeah. <laughs> Two failed steer <steer-dobbers laughs> at one table. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. We just try and make you feel better about yourself, Russell. Hey. World champion. That's right, baby. I've heard. I've heard. (laughs)
2: Defeated the one and only Matt Cook. Yes.
0: That was a different event.
1: (laughs) Whatever. I'll take a defeat over (laughs) Matt (laughs) Cook anywhere. (laughs) Beat him at a hot dog eating contest last week.
0: (laughs) You beat him at a beard growing contest. No, I didn't do
1: that. I probably could.
0: You have to push harder. <laughs> Russell's in the corner looking constipated. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Trying to beat Matt in a beard don't. I don't want to
1: grow my beard out and make my head look even balder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, so back to the county fair. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Segway. So then what? Um, no girlfriend from that. No, show. no. I mean, I,
2: try, <laughs> I tried hard on the princess, but she wouldn't have any of it. So, <laughs> you know, and, and the more that the more that you guys got my brain turning. I mean, I remember even even before that, and it's not that important, but us having horses and boarding at a barn, uh, a fellowship of Christian cowboys that the, a barn that they own, and we kept our horses at. Because I it just dawned on me when you told me your good speed steer dobbing story about. <laughs> Getting nailed in the chest by one of my dad's geldings or something. I was trying to put him in the stocks. and I mean, I'm four or five years old, and I get slammed in the chest, and there was CPR involved and (laughs) throwing up on my brand-new tie-dyed slippers. (laughs) What kind of genius
1: goes through this and stays in the horse business? I don't know. (laughs) I've had many other
2: opportunities, but here I am.
1: I know. know. Oh, I remember one time. Going uphill, and you know, them horses get to lunging. And my um, old horse got the saddle horn so far into my stomach that it and it's the roping cap, the big cap mm. saddle horn, it hooked on my the inside of my sternum <laughs> under my ribs. And when that baby popped out, I'm telling you, that's a different kind of pain.
0: Good thing, good thing you didn't have a bra on. <laughs> Jeez,
1: it wouldn't have got to it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, some pain. Stupid saddle horns. Yeah. <laughs> so, so
2: anyhow, so yeah, county fair. Uh, Living in Rocky Ford, and we got a couple acres, and you know, I've got this bay mare, and uh, we bought my, my both of my parents had horses. At this point, we're buying horses at the Lahana Sale Barn. Good high quality horse, list. right? By the, by, the by the pound, by the pound, yeah. And so, my mom had one, dad had one, and we'd go, you know, do trail riding and throughout the area. And uh, we bought a, another mare, a yellow mare, and uh, a pretty darn good horse that was raised by some people down there in the valley, and um, did some stuff with her, but our life situation changed and a, a move was on the horizon again. So we had to part with, part with her and part with the horses and left uh beautiful Rocky Ford, Colorado in about eighth grade and moved to Peyton, Colorado, which is kind of just outside of Colorado Springs. So yeah, I'm about eighth grade at this point. Again, still thinking I'm going to be, you know, a saddle bronc rider and, uh, so my parents start seeing the itch again, and I'm doing everything and my my parents awesome people they're if i if I was interested in underbac- underwater basket weaving they would let you a snorkel yeah yeah, <laughs> they'd do whatever it was i mean I mean I did small engines and shooting sports and all sorts of things in four each growing up so I had very supportive parents and so the horse itch started coming back again when we moved uh up to Peyton and uh, we had a family friend, a gal named Maggie Wolf, um, that was training at a barn in Elizabeth, actually just north of where Matt's place is now. They said, well, if you're going to do this horse deal, we're going to hook you up and get you some lessons and learn how to ride properly and, you know, do the whole thing. So, oh, I don't know. It was probably a 30, 45 minute drive from our house up to the barn. And, uh, we started taking lessons or I started taking lessons up there and, I mean, it it started me being on a lunge line in the English saddle with no stirrups and no reins.
0: Do you have any cups of urine? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. No, that was might have been different, different training That's, philosophy. Don't imp- don't project.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't project your life onto him. <laughs> <laughs> none of that. No, yeah. None of that. Thank you. <laughs> but
0: <laughs> it's not common. No. No. <laughs> cups of urine. Yeah. Yeah. It'll make sense later. Yeah. <laughs> Someday.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maggie's Maggie's teaching me how to, how to brush horses, how to pick their feet. I mean, awesome teacher and, and how to care for the horse and saddle it, as well as proper equitation. And I remember, I don't know, we'd probably go up there once or twice a week for my riding lesson, and I, I was terribly allergic to alfalfa. So I'd always have to take a change of clothes and – I'd, I'd remember too having to wrap the insides of my legs because I was just so sore and raw and everything. And finally, I realized, well, I shouldn't be squeezing with my knees. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I didn't have any
1: stirrups. It's not a on. Not, so. rel- not a allergic
2: reaction. It's just friction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm eighth grade. Ninth grade maybe at this point. And, uh, Maggie had, uh, she, she did the all around, you know, had a bunch of little old ladies and little girls that she'd haul around taking to horse shows in Albuquerque and Colorado and all over the place. And she had a older mare. Oh man, she must've been at the time, probably 13 or 14. Mare named Doc Sleepy Lady. And, um, Uh, I called her Holiday, and she was my first, quote-unquote, rainer. I mean, she was sour, run-off in the show pen. It was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But she could stop. Like, she won some, you know, with the trainer that had her when she was younger, she won some sliding contests and stuff like that. So that was my first show horse. You
0: remember who trained her?
2: Man, it's it's escaping me. You know, I, I probably... Probably by the end of this deal, i probably remember it. All right, we'll come back. Let's write that one down. That's a possible yeah. return. Yeah, come back to it. But, yeah, I mean, she'd pin her, pin her ears at you when you'd walk up to the stall. I like, just hated life.
0: <laughs> but I loved her,
2: so.
1: <laughs> just overcome her.
2: Yeah. So, I had, I actually, I bought that mare, and maybe my parents did some behind-the-scenes negotiating for me, but I bought her for $3,500. Uh, you know, had a little, you know, had a grandparent die and had a little bit of money, and so what's a good investment? <laughs> right, an old horse that hates you. The original <laughs> stock market, exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Never crashes. No, no. And so I'm showing this smear in the senior rain and the youth rain and everywhere I can go, and uh, thought I'm I'm a rainer. Like I'm gonna, I got it. I got to gel my well, hair and get a hat can and <laughs> be a rainer. <laughs>
3: Do we have to edit that? Or? No. That looks dead.
2: For sure. So, we're traveling all over doing the little. little- were you
0: buying your t shirts at Baby Gap? At this oh, yeah. Time? oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shh, medium.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Crazy. So uh, we're zipping around. Maggie's hauling us in her old four-door dually Ford pickup with a four-horse trailer and hauling us to wherever we want to go. And, um, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And uh, we go back to the Arkansas Valley County Fair. I returned to my first deer dolphin experience, but now I've got my Rainer. You're going to show him. Oh, yeah. Show him what's up. I did not enter the steer daubman at this point. but uh,
0: Can't get paint on that rainer hat. No, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, but they, they had cow horse at this horse show. And I didn't know the first thing about the cow horse, but Maggie said, well, let's enter you. You're going to do a rain and pattern. I mean, the ground was perfect, of course, at those county <laughs> fairgrounds. Yeah. So we're going to do a rain and pattern, and then, uh, and then you're gonna, they're going to knock this cow out. And, I mean, if I, if I was 8th grade, this is late 90s, 98, 99-ish, around there. And uh, so, yeah, you do your raining pattern after you back up and call for your cow. And you're just going to work it on the short end, run it down the long end a couple times. And you're just no. going to run around in circles. One, no big deal.
0: One-man yeah. kettle drive yeah. is about yeah. to. no problem.
2: i did do it. I'm a cowboy. Yeah. I'm a rainer. So. I <laughs> got my hat. Yeah. So. They they send this kick this cow out and uh it was it was an experience. I mean I, I think I tacoed a preferred panel. Well, I don't think I killed it, but at least it walked out of the pen alive. Um and and after that I was hooked. Like I love it. Yeah. This is for me. This is for me. It's
0: like demolition derby out yeah, there. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: That that was my first experience in the cow horse, completely blind to it, and but loved it. Like man, I get to do the raining pattern, I get to run fast and slide, and now I get to work a cow. And so, I told my parents, I said, "Man, this I want to keep doing this." And I think it was around that point that my dad said, "All right, dude, you need to, you need to start culling some things from your life because I was." T- <laughs> Doing the horse deal, I was playing baseball, I was wrestling, I was football, you know, all the sports, and I was, I was also singing, so... Oh, my God. You just never know what you're going to learn in these deals. You
0: never know. You might, hey, what you don't know is you're going to have to break a few bars what? down on us. What so. genre?
2: What, whatever the teacher said, like, and we can get to it later on in life, but... <laughs> like, I had the pleasure of singing for the Pope twice.
1: Wow!
0: Oh, wow! Things you learn.
2: Uh, yeah, I the know. Things you
1: learn. <laughs> yeah. I know. He's Didn't still, see that coming. He's
0: still mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> was, that, was that the new pope? Or you know, the old? He quit. He retired.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. He. He's the one that retired here. Right? In the last couple of years.
0: Before This kid sings <laughs> for me again. <laughs> Don't send him back. <laughs>
1: so. Wow! But where? Slow down. <laughs> And we're random. Already, I know. So where did you sing for the Pope at in Italy? And how did you get there?
2: That's, that's a college story. Someone oh, so we're not in college. Okay. Yeah. We're going to come back to that, singing no, for the Pope. Write
1: that one down. College. This is our first college person.
0: No, we've had a lot of Lamar graduates. Yeah, but
1: I don't think after talking to um, Dell, yeah. I don't know if Lamar... Means that you went into college. It's like he was just, just in a Lamar a and there was a college there too. <laughs> right. I was in the same county. You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: So, so, yeah. No. So, yeah, we're eighth grade-ish. We're calling activities. Calling activities. Culling activities. Yeah. So okay. Dad says, dude, you got you to gotta back off. Hey, so
1: I got it. Yeah. What kind of law was your dad in? Family. Family law.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's like if the brother steals something from the sister or
1: no, that's like divorce
0: and Yeah. Uh, yeah at
1: custody, like he's probably trying to get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> this kid costs too much. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. What Somebody I, needs to adopt this him. This was a mistake. How
2: <laughs> can I call this herd? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Speaking of calling. Mm-hmm. So So you didn't call the horses.
2: No, no. So he said, Hey dude, you gotta, you gotta figure out like you can do sports and singing or just the horses. I said, okay, let's do the horses. I think there was this look across my dad's face like, no. Oh, my God. He's you retarded. pick <laughs> the most expensive one again. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. He is a mistake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just gave him <laughs> sports and singing both kind of high income <laughs> right? yeah. activities. Yeah. Horses
2: horses. Addicted, <laughs> Addicted to poverty. Exactly Saddle tramp. <laughs> so, um, with that decision, uh, mom mom started, I don't know if the internet was around back then, maybe it was like you know, your 10,000 hours on AOL CD or something, but she started looking for, uh, for a cow trainer, in the neighborhood. And uh, I remember she... Maybe went on the NRHA's website or something. Good place to find a Cowher's trainer. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she uh, made a handful of calls to local trainers, um, Guy Vernon, Shane Brown, and finally Tim Unzicker. And he's the first one that called her back. And so I remember we went down, and maybe my parents went before I did. But um, he was in Calhoun, Colorado, which was the next – town over from us about 10 miles or so we ended up leaving maggie's barn all on good terms and i want to go do the cow horse and tim unziker has got cows and he's doing the cow horse and
1: (laughs) maggie's thinking why did i put him in that class (laughs) (laughs) oh maybe she wanted to get rid of him yeah (laughs) she was calling too yeah
2: everybody's calling (laughs) Mm -hmm. so we went over i remember uh moving into tim's barn um, he had just, he had a mare at that time. I think she was a junior horse named She's a Naughty Chick, daughter of Smart Chickalina that he made the finals on at the AQHA World Show and had done, done a lot of good stuff. I had some other horses that he had some success on right around then. Again, it's right around 99, 2000 or so. And, uh, moving to his barn. I remember riding him my training and board check. I don't know, it must have been the first or second month or something. And uh, he says, hey, I think there's a way we can maybe work around some of this if you want. And uh, I said, okay. So eventually I ended up cleaning stalls and feeding and learning how to start colts and a, a variety of things from from Tim.
0: And you're what, 14, 15, doesn't Yeah, time?
2: yeah around, right. around that age, 14, 15, fixing to start high mm-hmm. school or just fresh into high school. And I'm still somehow got my dad talked into letting me wrestle and play football. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember uh, I played football my freshman year, and it was interfering quite a bit with Colt starting season. So I had I quit that on my own because mm. I wanted to be around when these babies were getting going. And, I mean, I, I we ended up moving even closer to Tim's barn. And, I mean, I remember getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning on school days to – go clean 10 or 12 stalls and run in the house take a shower and go to school so that was I a mean, uh, valuable experience tim is a a great horseman and uh exceptional down the fence and um got a lot of beyond just horse experiences a lot of good life experiences from just hanging around the barn hey that tim and i remember in particular
1: Maybe one of the coolest training runs I've ever seen was Jim Enzicker, and I believe ninety nine percent sure it was on a smart little nick mare. Mm-hmm. And I and I'm, I think it was at the first World Ridge stock Horse. He runs this mare down the arena so fast and so hard, and she drags her butt all the way. And right at the end of the stop, he starts spinning. Oh yeah, no yeah. hesitation. It was so cool, and she spun so fast. It was mm-hmm. crazy. <clears throat> Goes the other way and does it. And it was probably because that smart little Peppinick wouldn't stand still. Oh, yeah. At the end, you know. <laughs> but it was, the, it was the most fun to watch mm-hmm. that I've ever seen. I mean, it was, I, if you say t- Tim Unzicker, I think of that run right there. And as m- the most exciting raining run I've seen. Yeah. Him yeah. And so, those,
2: yeah, he had those two Pepinic mares, and they, it would either have been smart and catsy or smart plain Pep. Yep. You I know. can't remember which one, but... Yeah. It's Sorrel. I think they both were. They were both. I, I remember, um, I think, smart playing Pep. I think he was six at the world's greatest on. And I think I remember watching the video. I think at that point, I, I had gone on to other parts of life. But he... I remember... Him and I watching that video a lot, and when he, he calls for his cow, and this cow's just pushing on him, boxing. And he, if you slow-mo the video, Smokey, like, blows a horn just as this thing, like, jumps over the top of Tim as he's boxing it. I don't know if you remember seeing that. It's probably mm. in San Angelo or mm-hmm. something. But mm-hmm. you probably won it that year. <laughs> That, no one doubt. remembers. If that was doubt, so long ago. It was black and white. It was <laughs> yeah, black and
1: white. Right. <laughs> and they had captions on the bottom with what people <laughs> were saying. There was no sound. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hieroglyphics. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so you're cleaning stalls. Yeah. Cleaning stalls, riding whatever. Dropped I'm, football. Yeah. I dropped football. I'm just horses or sports are gone. Singing's gone. I'm just doing the horse deal, you know, digging. Post holes, whatever needed done around the barn to to be there, and uh, another horse comes along. So I've got this older mare, Doc Sleepy Lady, and uh, another grandparent dies. So I buy another horse. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Thank God we got four of them. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so um, there was a there was a mare. I think she was four when I bought her. She no. She might have been a, early in her three year old um, year. Named Diggers Lena sired by the great diggers rest customer had her in training with tim and i mean this mare was so pretty dark chestnut big mane star strip snip just beautiful mare and i had to have her and uh i remember tim tim was working on another deal on selling her this guy randy wolf the the breeder wanted to sell her i think i think somebody had offered 5500 or something like that and he turned it down had to have six well that's all i had was six and so I called and offered him fifty five hundred, and he said, "No, it's going to take six. I said, "Okay, you sold, bought her, hard sell." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what happened to fifty seven fifty? terrible t- negotiator. Amateur. Yeah, complete amateur. Exactly. <laughs> so we, uh, so I buy the mare, figure out how to trade off training with Tim, I, and of course, you know, I'm fifteen years old. I can train her. You know, <laughs> I think so at the Don't time. Don't need you anyway. No, mm-hmm. so I remember. Uh, you know, at that at that time, there was the cow. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of NRCHA in Colorado. I mean, maybe CRCA had one or two shows a year, and so but we had a lot of cow horse at the quarter horse shows. You know, Bell Ringer and Gold Rush and Colorado Super Circuit there in Pueblo. And I remember having her, and Tim and I would kind of double dip on her a little bit. And I remember. Uh, Darren Miller, who owned Digger's Rest, I remember asking him at one point, hey, what do you think I should do with my mare? He's like, you need to stay off of her and let them (laughs) ride her.
0: Kill another grandparent and buy (laughs) yourself another horse, son.
2: So it it hurt my feelings, but (laughs) (laughs) he he was 100% right. You know, let the trainer get the horse worked and trained and you know, through those formative years of a three-year-old and four-year-old. And <sighs> I went on and showed her through high school and, you know, had you know, took her to the Quarter Horse Youth World Show. You know, had some success, never got anything great done on her, but did some national high point stuff on her and nothing great at the world show. And, yeah, so that's that's high school in a nutshell. So, Dan, CRCA hosted Dan Rozier, oh, probably my junior year of high school for a clinic. And I, I don't know if at the time maybe you guys can answer this. Maybe NRCHA was paying for these guys to do clinics at these smaller affiliates or something. No. Mm-mm. No? No. <laughs> it was free? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, a lot of free or the club paid. Okay. That's the okay. way that worked. So that, I, that must have been what was going on there. Is so, so Dan came and did this clinic for the CRCA members, and, and, and I was a part of that. I mean, phenomenal coach. Dan Rozier was, mm-hmm. and so, uh, my dad and Tim arranged it for me to go up there the summer between my junior and senior year of high school and work for him, and so, I, l- I hooked on to my 1978 Miley two-horse bumper pull onto my three-quarter ton <laughs> Chevy pickup. Yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. That's what rotten. I'm talking about. Yeah.
0: Can't beat them old, can't beat them old Miley's. No. Mm-mm. No, I Mm-mm. still have the
2: hubcaps off that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice.
2: Uh, yeah. So, we, uh. So I hauled up there and I was going to go ride with him for the summer and get ready for the Youth World Show and drove all the way from Peyton, Colorado to Marcy, Idaho by myself and hauled my horse and I had a dog too. Lucky Dan. I know. Lucky Dan. (laughs) It's just me, my dog and my horse. (laughs) Got there obviously late at night, drove all day long and Dan showed me where the help house was and moved in there and there was there was a kid working there i mean he was obviously older than me in his 20s and i was 17 or so and uh he was kind of on his way out and justin bailey was on his way in Mm -hmm. and wade rainey and dan were partners their business at the time and so i remember that for i think maybe dan had been hurt or had an appendix surgery or something like that at the time and so wade was doing a lot of the a majority of the training at the time. And so I remember like that first weekend I got there, Dan said, hey, you're going to go with Wade up to uh Jordan Valley, Oregon to work some horses. Well, that's cool. I don't know where that is, but I'll go wherever you want. I remember Wade and I driving. I don't know how long it was, but. we we're, were stuck
0: in a truck with Wade Rainey? With
2: the one and only. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Superstar. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Life experiences. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Ben thinks
0: he's getting an education. I know.
2: No, I got thrown in the deep end there. Yeah. Yeah. First time away from home. You know,
0: they won't let me and Wade judge the same horse show at the same time. Like, there's, I think there's a rule. There's something in the book that says that Wade, Randy, and I cannot judge the same horse show at the same time. I I voted for it.
2: (laughs) Uh, Unanimous vote. Unanimous. It was unanimous. Yeah. We go to Jordan Valley, Oregon, and I don't know anything about, you know, the Northwest, but Jordan Valley, Oregon, if you want to find a real cowboy, go to Jordan Valley, Oregon. Mm. And so we pull in to this, I mean, long dirt road, and there's a square cutting pin, and <clears throat> I don't know if we got there first or everybody else was there, but it was, I mean, they, it was the summer working three-year-olds, and it was weighed. And uh, John Rozier and Annie Reynolds and Todd Bergen. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Mm, Deep water. Yeah. I'd never seen these people in real life before. Dream team. Yeah. And so I'm just trying to pay attention absorb as much as I can, as fast as I can. And I don't know. We were there for three or four days on this ranch in this cutting pin. I mean, endless supply of fresh cattle. And watching these guys work their three-year-olds, you know, I'm seeing stuff that I've never seen before. And horse flesh that I've never seen before pretty pretty amazing experience so that summer you know working for working for Dan and Wade and I mean there was you know there was still stall cleaning involved and everything and and like I said oh probably a couple weeks maybe a month after I got there Justin Bailey showed up he just graduated from his community college that he went to and and so him and I lived in a little single wide trailer he kind of taught I mean he was probably 20 or 21 at the time and I'm 17 so a lot of wisdom in that house right there <laughs> <laughs> but I knew I knew I was coming up on the end of my summer and fixing to go back to school and go back to Colorado and at this point I, I don't want anything more to do than train horses and so I, I went in and talked to Dan and I said hey I'd really like to come back after the youth world he said okay and so he hired me paid me $500 a month and uh, I was going to go, just go get my GED and be done with the school and just go to training horses. And, and then I thought, well, no, I'll do online high school. Well, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> I knew I'd never graduate. Your, your father, who is the lawyer, is so yeah. proud so, so of brilliant. you at this
1: time. <laughs>
2: His only son. Yeah. His only son. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the mistake. Yeah. Carrying the torch. So (laughs) that, all girls. (laughs) (laughs) They were smart enough to get out of this horse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He hires me. I go down, do the youth world show, come back, and just start grinding, working. You know, I I ended up enrolling in the local. uh, Jackie kind of got a hold of me on the whole school and thing. Jackie Rozier. You know, she Mm -hmm. was still with us at the time. And uh, she said, no, you need to go go to the school. And so she took me down there, and she had taught there at some point. Made me enroll, and um, I think I'd done enough the first three years of high school. Like I could show up at like nine o'clock for class, and you know, leave. Get it to, by, down. yeah. You know, get check the box.
1: Dude, just grasp, <laughs>
2: Chris. His dad's a lawyer.
1: You know how much school's involved in that, right. and we are struggling to get this kid through know. high school. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing everything he can not to make it. <laughs>
2: Trying hard. <laughs> uh. Back to it. Yeah. So <laughs> we, um, anyway, we, so I go, to, I end up enrolling in the school and um, uh, great, great little school in there in Marsing, and, and uh, I've got this geography or civics teacher, Mr. Pfeiffer, that just starts hammering on me about now, some.
0: Now, go. this is high school still? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah. All right.
2: Yeah. Okay. So I'm not singing. Yeah. We're no. trying to get out of high school. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> with trying. Dan Rozier. Yeah. With Wade oh,
0: Rainey. Dan. With Wade, Wade Rainey, Rainey and Justin Bailey for your life coach. Ball. Life <laughs> coach. Wade <laughs> Rainey. <Jeez. laughs> wow. Yeah.
2: So you're, so civics teachers hammering you? Yeah. Hammering me on, on some level of, uh, Responsibility, yeah, yeah, that like some civil service in some aspect. Mm-hmm. So whether it's teaching or the army or something like that. So anyway, he kind of I thought, well, I need to go to college. All of a sudden, I didn't want to go to the high school, but now I need to go. To college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. straight to the big league. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. I, at this point, I'm kind of thinking, I don't want to train horses anymore. You know, it was a lot of hard work. So I decided to go to college. I have no way to pay for school. Naturally? Yeah. Naturally, I joined the Army. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did, I mean, ROTC. So I ended up getting a scholarship for school and somehow squeaked by enough on grades and everything that they were going to, Uncle Sam was willing to pay for college. Up for recruits. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Iraq war was fixing to start. So <laughs> we need somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. End up going to a little school in Leavenworth, Kansas called University of St. Mary and was pretty involved in there in that school. But Glad the, you
0: started there and didn't end up in Leavenworth.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Another uh, part of Leavenworth. <laughs> mm-hmm. My scholarship didn't. Uh, it was only a three-year, so it was basically sophomore through senior year. And it was a expensive private school, and so i got to figure out how to pay for my uh, freshman. freshman year. Yeah, so I walk onto the baseball team and go try out for a singing scholarship. What? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you ain't sang in four that, years.
1: Yeah. What the, the, is it, are the tryouts at the baseball team? Tryouts? <laughs> what? what?
0: <laughs> i gotta find a scholarship somewhere baseball yeah, yeah. singing I guess, I go nobody's by. paying me to ride horses anymore yeah, Exactly. karaoke <laughs> yeah.
2: so um i don't think i got any uh baseball scholarship but i was able to walk on and played a little bit there i i thought i was a pretty good baseball player until i went to the college level and i um, mean them kids smoked me so different level oh man I mean we I remember uh we were a small school and we scrimmaged a big school a D1 school at one point and I thought if I can't hang with these D1 boys I might as well just you know be a water boy. Yeah. So um, Come on Bobby Boucher. Exactly. <laughs> Try your singing. You yeah. can do it. Sing me a song. Yeah. You can do it. <laughs> so yeah, we you know went uh was able to get enough money from the singing deal to Help augment my freshman year and and carried it through the rest. What of What singing deal? Through a, a singing scholarship? So you didn't. It, you didn't. So <laughs> why would they
1: give you a singing scholarship? Is that even a college like course? Glee, Glee club?
3: Why?
2: <laughs> no. We. I remember my mom and I drove out there uh, during the summer before my before freshman year of college, and we had a, already had it arranged for me to audition for the the chair of the music department as well as hang out with the baseball coach and so i remember catching some ground balls and batting practice and everything with the baseball coach and he says well i'd I catch one in the wrong yeah. spot and you <laughs> hit that higher note exactly <laughs> we don't need you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i guess got along well enough with the singing deal that they said yeah we well, don't but work.
0: what do you sing
2: well, I mean, we it, it, have you we never sang. seen Pitch Perfect? Yeah, no. Well, come on, <laughs> your
0: wife—you you, got to get a young wife. You watch a lot of Pitch Perfect. <laughs> it's on every day.
1: Yeah. is that baseball? No, it's Pitch, singing. Oh, <laughs> no.
2: So, I mean, we sang a variety of things, in through school, for all the way from you know. Content, like, like chorus day. yeah yeah so there's chorus there's a lot of solo stuff there anywhere anything from modern day to like classical opera in italian or latin well now you've opened the door <laughs> oh wow classical
0: opera in italian oh, we modern. need to hear some we need modern. to hear some
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh i i haven't warmed up properly <laughs> <laughs>
0: what you got to stretch or what? <laughs> <up>. <laughs> we've been talking for an half hour yeah.
2: <laughs> Oh uh, so, anyway, we uh, yeah we do we do a, a pile like of- four notes in Latin. I man, I can't. I, I retired. <laughs> yeah. You sound like Ron
0: Rolls. You had a scholarship <laughs> for
2: crying out loud. You had to. <laughs> yeah. No, so I mean, we we did a bunch of. Uh- How hard was Latin to learn? Oh, I mean, they had it written down on the music paper. <laughs> you know. you what just- does it? look like <laughs> I, it's, it's letters yeah it's
0: just hieroglyphics to you
1: yeah i know
2: Basically. they're
1: english they're not even english letters so how do you figure the sounds
2: to the letter well they i mean they're the music it's director, not russian dr cruz mark shout out to him i'm sure he'll listen to this but um. <laughs> <laughs> get his address yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't send it to him yeah no he uh i mean a lot of instruction for that i mean it just like playing a, a sport at a collegiate level. I mean, performing, doing, singing at a collegiate level. I mean, it was practice. So you have you know. to learn Latin and Italian. Yeah, but I mean, just to say, like, I didn't know what the words meant. I just sang. You could have been
0: inviting somebody to pose Robby or. Exactly. Your name.
2: I didn't know what I was Total saying. Total poser. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what I was saying. I just.
1: <laughs> who? Yeah, who knows what you said. Like Britney yeah. Spears or you something.
3: Could have yeah. Said. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Lip sync. <laughs> <laughs> so we did, you know, a bunch of uh, stuff through college. And anyway, uh, must have been my junior year. We got invited to, to go to Italy and travel. We landed in Milan. Pause. <laughs> <laughs> Who got invited? The Saint Mary? Mer- <laughs> Our school, yeah, the choir. And there was a. a, a but why?
1: because they were good dude because you're
2: that good honestly i I couldn't tell you i don't know if it was we hadn't done anything high profile like that or if it was something our our you know instructor put us in for oh you know applied for right and and there was like being in the vatican there was a pile of colleges in there that Mm. that would take turns singing for us so it wasn't like you know
1: so is it a Catholic college that you're mm-hmm. at yes. okay, yeah,
2: yeah, so Catholic yeah University. we
1: glad we got that cleared up
2: <laughs>
1: so off you go to the Vatican, yeah,
2: so I think it was junior year, and we we landed in Milan, which is northern Italy, and basically traveled down to Rome, which is further south for a week and a half or so, and sang our way all the way to the Vatican and uh, where would you sing I had a variety of Churches, churches throughout Italy, and yeah. so what was that like? Oh, amazing, amazing! I mean, it, it being in in these churches that are hundreds of years hundreds. old, if not thousands. I mean, just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And so, the,
1: what about the most? Did they all speak Italian, or was there a lot of the locals speak English? Or uh, what?
2: no, I mean, a lot of the locals were Italian speaking, but it was it was arranged where every place we went, we'd have a translator. Mm. You know, and, and a tour guide, like going through Venice, Italy, and everything that would show us all the historical areas and, and things like that. Oh, that had to be incredible.
1: And how about the food?
2: Oh, crazy. Awesome. I huh. mean, yeah, beautiful food. Mm. I think I gained 20 pounds, mm. you know, eating spaghetti so. and wine. Yeah, and wine. <laughs> yeah. It's a staple. Staple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, lunch. Yeah. Italians are drinking wine. Yeah. A pitcher
1: mm-hmm. of red wine. Let's not judge. Yeah. I, I judged high. Yeah. <laughs> 75. <Yeah>. All day. <laughs> All day long. Cheese, mm-hmm. the salamis.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and we actually, we were able to celebrate a New Year's. I'd have to think on what, I don't know if it was 06, 07, or 05, or 06 in Italy. So that was, that was cool, you know, experience to do that.
1: All right, head to the Vatican. Yes,
2: yeah, so we go to the Vatican and of course there's a procedure to get through there and well, it's that. not a very pretty place, huh? No, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how much stained glass is in oh, that place? It's
2: unbelievable. Unbelievable. Stained glass and we got to go through the Sistine Chapel and mm. just absolute gorgeous architecture. So. The way that,
1: I mean, you know, when you're in those kind of places, to imagine how old those buildings are and what they've seen. Mm-hmm. It, it's, Incredible! It's a it takes you.
2: Yeah, world wars. They've seen world wars. Yeah, you know,
1: Jeez, the plagues, the death, the mm-hmm. life, the now they've all seen the coronavirus.
3: Changes. Yeah, <laughs> woo!
1: They've seen it yeah. <laughs> up yeah. front.
2: Yeah. So you sing there? Yeah. So the uh, first, and it was I think it was Benedict that we sang for the the last Pope, and uh, we sang for him first in this auditorium that was on the Vatican. In the Vatican, but not like, I mean, when you think of the Vatican, like the actual chapel, St. Peter's or whatever they call it. Um, and then like a day or two later, we got to go in for a mass, a full on mm. mass at, with the Pope and everything and got to stand up and sing, you know, a song or two for him and sit back down and pretty, pretty neat experience. Lots of formalities, obviously. So what's the security like there? Well, the Swiss Guard, you know. mm manages the the Pope's security. And so it's, I mean, lots of lots of different, you know, checkpoints, and I wasn't able to take my pocket knife with me. <laughs> Oddly enough. <laughs> yeah. So I
0: got to ask, though, so in this course, in the choir that you're a part of, is this a co-ed deal or is this an all?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. All oh. co-ed. So it's not like we're the boys choir. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh. that gets, so
0: <laughs> this is all making a little more sense to me now. <laughs> It's kind of yeah. like taking home Eck. Exactly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And kind of like, oh, I don't know, Lee Deacon talked about doing the, the, the kids' uh, birthday parties at McDonald's when he worked there. Yeah. Because he could hang with the girls.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. You got to think. You got to be smart about it. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, two, so I mean, most people are never going to see the Pope. Right. Ever. Right. And you have now not only seen him, but performed for him yeah. twice.
2: Pretty cool experience. Yeah.
0: So, like, when you get to horse showing, like, nerves, not an issue.
2: Oh, man, I wish I could say that. Really? Yeah. No. No, they're still there. Wow. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we sing for the Pope. How, uh, and then what else we do in Italy? Just get We do that, spend a couple of weeks, and then we head back home?
2: Yeah, head back home and have, have a good old time over there and eat good, drink good, and, you know, do that.
0: And you're still in the ROTC program Correct. through this college, all at the same time as the singing deal's going on.
2: Yep, yep. So we're doing ROTC, so that that classes a couple times a week. A like, of, this is like major pain? This yeah. is what I'm envisioning. I wish, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, I mean, a lot of land navigation, so how do you get from point A to point B without your GPS? Oh, my wife would be really good at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turn left. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, doing that, and we've got to go to the field, like, I think once a semester, and it's three or four days out there. And we've got to do uh, some other training through, through the process of... So, when you go to the
0: field, what's that entail?
2: It's basically we leave on a Friday morning, and we're out in the field and doing land navigation and marksmanship and, you know, different battle drills and things like that. Um, and we're out there for three or four days, you know, throughout that, you're also some, some, we were called cadets, ROTC cadets, and I was army, and we'd get sent to certain schools, and I think it was after my sophomore year, I got sent to airborne school in Fort Benning, Georgia in August, which is a beautiful place to be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little heavy yeah a little little thick a little thick yeah. make
0: murphy's bro look nice oh, on right. you. Yeah. yeah
2: so we uh yeah so that's that was a three-week school of learning how to properly fall out of the sky <laughs> <laughs> so i had the had the pleasure of going through that experience and got to jump out of an airplane five times and and then was
0: hey how was that the first time
2: oh it's awesome awesome I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. Like,
0: what's the punchline on that joke? Did you jump a little, <laughs> little at first? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So did that, and um, I went back to college, and you know, doing the college thing, and uh, have to go through some more training. And once I graduate college, and majored in political science of all things. <laughs> Random, yeah,
0: <laughs> completely random. Yeah. I, I bet, I bet the dad proud meter is climbing a little at this point. Well, she's had nowhere in to go. For nowhere change. to go though.
1: <laughs> no, no, yeah. from I don't know if we're going to get through high school. <laughs> right. to I want to train horses. science. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I want to train horses.
2: So, uh, in through college, I would go back sometimes um, on a Christmas break and maybe the first summer break. I think it was just the first Christmas break. I went back to Tim's in Colorado, worked for him for a month, and helped him start Colts and hung out there in in between semesters. Yeah, graduate in 07, because at this point I'm thinking, I'm going to go to the Army, and maybe I'll go to law school and carry the torch for the family and commission as an officer, a second lieutenant in the Army, as tech. Technically, as an armor officer, so tanks and Humvees and Bradleys and stuff like that. Was able to go home for a little bit, maybe a week or two, and then had to report to a lovely Fort Sill, Oklahoma, mm. outside of Lawton, uh, for seven weeks of training there, and then went to Fort Knox, Kentucky for my armor-specific training. Did uh, After we graduated armor officer basic course, I uh, did some uh, some more specialized, like, scout training uh, there on Fort Knox and was assigned to return to Colorado to Fort Carson in Colorado Springs. And so this would have been oh nine Yeah, 2009. So I reported to my unit on Fort Carson, 361 Cav Squadron. And the squadron commander uh, said, hey, man, I've got way too many lieutenants. And, I mean, I... Was able to pick Fort Carson and I knew they were fixing to deploy, go to Afghanistan within a matter of weeks. And so he's like, I got too many lieutenants, you'll just spend the whole time sitting in the office. And so basically, I, I kind of waited around for a week or so, and an infantry battalion picked me up, 212 infantry, and reported there because they were short on lieutenants, platoon leaders. Reported to 212. Went through a bunch of a process of getting all your gear and getting ready and geared up and medically prepared to deploy overseas. And that was you know, May of '09. <clears throat> didn't, didn't know a whole lot about, obviously, the, where we were going and everything, but tra- went, got deployed to Afghanistan and uh, stepped off on the FOB that we were living on, which is a forward operating base. It was called, called FOB Blessing. It was in northeastern Afghanistan, not too far from the Pakistan border. When I first got there was assigned as the engineer liaison officer. Which is just a fancy word for we don't have a job for you right now. <laughs> 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 and uh, my job at the time was to court I was in, in an office for I don't know, maybe a couple weeks or a month or so. And when when you go to Afghanistan or, or a deployment of the unit that you're replacing, like there's a, a transition period where they train you on the the locals and the way that they do stuff, and then you take over and they leave and go back home. So the the guy that his job that I was taking my my job was basically like coordinate with a deal called RCP, which was Route Clearance Patrol. These these guys would drive around because a lot of the roads in our area of operations was were dirt, and so IEDs were a very real threat. And so this route clearance patrol will go through before a mission and make sure there were no IEDs in the road, or if there were, they'd detonate them. How
1: do you find them?
2: The IEDs? Yeah. Um, well, that's, uh, I mean, there's there's telltale signs, like you see wires or rocks misplaced or... You know, Visually. Mm-hmm, yeah, or, or <laughs> they'd... Yeah, dead animals, or they detonate when you drove over them. That's one way to put it. There's, there's <laughs> one. <No>. Whoops. <laughs> but there, it's not like there's a, um, you didn't have a machine. So the, the route clearance patrol did have some machines as far as metal detectors mm. and special trucks with arms that could reach out and kind of, you know, if feel. It looked, yeah, if it looked like a soft spot in the road, they could kind of poke around. So on what's the explosion radius? it just depends honestly i mean there's uh we saw some really big ones and some duds so what so what is the biggest radius uh that we probably saw i don't know probably around 50 yards wow yeah way big yeah so
1: your arm's not that big no no on the machine
2: yeah no no, it's not. So there's there was a lot of
1: so you're prodding out there, hoping this is the ten yard one. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> is this a little one? <laughs> yeah. So no, that. So my job was just coordinate with those guys that went and did that originally. So I'd say, okay, hey, the
1: guys that went and checked, yes, okay.
2: And so so I was in the office checking on their schedule and letting our guys know, okay, hey, so route clearance patrol has cleared this road. You're good. It's- so how far? Behind, route clearance were you
1: was it still likely that they put another IED in
2: yeah so so if route clearance went through I, I classify them by like uh, like a stop sign so green yellow and red yeah so if route clearance had been in been through there in the last matter of hours it was green yep. the longer they'd been they'd go yellow or red you know,
3: so
1: okay? a day is yellow yeah. a week
2: yeah a week's red a week's red a week it's like they weren't there. Yeah, yeah. Yep, you, okay. Yeah. So that, that was my job, that coordinating. And then um, I w- was given a platoon, an infantry platoon. So my, that job ended. How many people in the platoon? In, my, in that platoon in particular, there was 22. Mm-hmm. Some of the other infantry platoons. So I had a heavy weapons platoon. And the light infantry platoons would have over 30 guys. Mm. So but my heavy weapons platoon... Like one of my trucks had a Mark 19 grenade launcher on it and a tow, which is a tube launched, optically tracked wire guided missile on top of it. So we, I had some different options on my trucks that the light infantry guys didn't. They had more, more. more people. Exactly. Yep. So I was given a, a platoon. These guys, I was their platoon leader, had a platoon sergeant, two squad leaders, a medic and two translators. And How big is this squad? oh i don't know seven to nine yep just depending on on the composition and um uh we had snipers like so our battalion commander mandated that we couldn't leave the fob that we lived at with less than 16 guys just because if you got in a big firefight you'd get rolled up with less Mm -hmm. than that and so we i'd take snipers out a lot because i'd try to leave if one of my guys may have been on tower duty or guard duty or something like that so i'd still i'd have to augment my trucks with other guys and so other times snipers would come with us and you know we do a variety of missions from you know humanitarian assistance to i mean these the area that we live that we were at for the year was extremely remote i mean these people lived in mud huts with no electricity or running water and they farmed and you
1: know, so they're farming with hand tools exactly. or a mule
2: they might have a mule or maybe. oxen or something yeah. Maybe. yeah maybe so that's how far back they are yes
1: and so there's a this is a country where the top end leaders are as wealthy as you can be mm-hmm. and then the middle class is farming with a mule mm-hmm. exactly
2: yeah, very, very poor area. I mean, it was like you stepped back into the 14th century.
1: So, but, Taylor, the poor, the area, is it, what is the terrain like? It, are there natural resources, or is it just a lack of letting farming grow with technology?
2: The, lots of natural resources where we were. The terrain was extremely mountainous. Like, we'd have to fly oh, really? to certain places. Yeah, The northeastern Afghanistan was, I mean... We were surrounded by fourteen thousand foot peaks and
1: trees or or mm-hmm. rocks, trees and rocks, uh, pine trees. Yeah, some
2: pines, some some. There was a, a type of wood over there in one of our valleys, the Corangal Valley. It was called Coringali wood, and like a pretty hot commodity for them. Like, there's a lot of smuggling of Coringali wood. Is it real hard and pretty? <laughs> I honestly, I don't like I, a I don't walnut. Know. Or is it why? Because it's a
1: furniture grade, or I don't know. I don't know huh.
2: what they did with it, but I just remember that was kind of a hot topic. It was sm- oh, smuggling the golly wood.
1: So then the... But in the valleys, is it very fertile? Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Yeah, so there was a big river called the Pesh River that flowed east and west through this main valley that we patrolled. Lots of corn. Um, oh, really? Yeah, which gives gives them a whole different advantage over, you know, fighting because they had cornfields down right. there. Um, so then
1: yeah i think right. we i think
0: we just typically envision just a real barren
1: well just because that's, that's, that's what t- tv shows you right
2: yeah no this was this was i mean beautiful it'd be somewhere you'd want a vacation and ski
1: so almost. good topsoil in the valleys mm-hmm. not rocky in the bottoms yeah
2: in the bottoms very good farming ground
1: and the and the mountains are pretty rocky mm-hmm. with the trees. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so then what what's the elevation in the bottoms?
2: Six thousand.
1: Oh, not not low.
2: Yeah. No, we're high. We're high.
3: Mm. Yeah.
1: Um, Windy. Not or too not, bad. Not really. No,
2: not too bad. Like I said, I mean, if if the rocks weren't shooting at you, it'd be a beautiful place to visit. Yeah. You know.
0: Um. Sounds a lot like Eastern Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Minus it the shooting. Yes. Like, it, it sounds does. like you're at home here. Yeah, like some of the valleys in eastern Colorado and everything. I mean, very, very similar.
1: So, your base has power generated. You generated your own power?
2: Yeah. So, the, so the big base blessing we had, I mean, it wasn't like some, some of the bigger bases, like Bagram Airfield outside of Kabul would have Starbucks and Pizza Hut. And, wow. Yeah, some, some luxuries where, like, we didn't have that. We had a chow hall, <laughs> and we had a, an area about the size of this room with some laptops where we could email family and a s- handful of phones on the wall. You could call family and stuff like that.
1: But the power is not wired in. You're, you're running off generators.
2: Uh, no, I think, I think we're running off the local supply grid. Oh, there with, is a grid. With... With backup, our own generators. Because, with the backup, yeah, because yeah, you can't trust nothing.
1: No, so, no. how many people in your base? How big is that, <sighs> do you think?
2: Maybe 100 people. 100 people?
1: A hundred people? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It is very On, big.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was big and luxurious compared to some of the places right. where the guys were living some guys were sleeping under your lots. platoons
0: about a quarter of the whole population mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay
2: yeah, 100, 100 yeah maybe 120 or so and and it was kind of a hub for guys traveling to more remote remote locations so
1: it's a drop off it's like a it's like a um it, it it's like a trading post mm mm-hmm. mhm in yep. the outdoors, yeah, and in, in the out in yeah, the wilderness,
2: exactly. In the, the local village right next to us, Nongolom village, lots of commerce there. Um, How know,
1: many people in that?
2: Man, I, I don't know, maybe twenty five hundred. Yeah, you not just, very big. Yeah, not very okay. big. But then there were small villages with But
1: that's probably where the, all of the people out trying to make a living mm-hmm. with a mule, that's where they go for flour and beans. Exactly. Type exactly. Yep. deal. You know, the, the basic necessities. So then those guys can grow corn and stuff. They're, that's something that they're trading on for... Their livelihood, but if they're living in mud huts and they don't have electricity and they're farming with a the mule, they don't really need much. They, no. I mean, you know, they're happy with food, shelter, clothing.
2: Exactly, and that's what they were satisfied with doing. If if I, I mean, I remember there we. I tried pretty hard to build a girls' school while we were there, and they didn't want nothing to do with it. We don't educate our women.
1: Pretty. Mm, Muslim. Oh, extremely. Yeah. No, I mean girls. All Muslim. Yes. Girls uh, were as a society that was their
2: Yeah. Very conservative Islam. Uh like women were below their mule. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So are they multiple wife? Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that was that was a that was a eye opening experience driving down the road in my trucks and seeing a six year old man. With three or four women behind him just completely covered head to toe. All wives. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. All wives ranging. So so
0: this has got to be a pretty good culture shock because we're coming out of Catholic college. exactly, And now thrust into the
2: Mm -hmm. Islam wilderness. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: what did that do for your
1: mind as far as opening it to what's out there? Like, you know, you're raised here. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that you know. what life's about and then you go there and you realize hey the whole world isn't progressed
2: no yeah no and yeah absolutely i mean it was very very different from our from our comfort in the 21st century to the way these people live
1: so how happy were what were the people like were they unhappy happy they good with their deal very content yep and did they because sometimes people say that that's an unhappy life but then when you go there you're like well yeah you know they're not unhappy Exactly. so who am maybe who am i to judge
2: right Right. uh
1: but how are they with you guys
2: um i mean by the time i go there so afghanistan kicked off in 2001 by the time i'm there it's 2009 so they got us figured out you know i mean they they defeated the soviets so Mm -hmm. not stupid people and so we uh I mean, pretty good. I mean, most of the, like, village elders, you know, so the town council and these little villages you'd come to were pretty savvy on how to get money from us or resources. Like, a hot resource that we could supply was like a bag of cement to them because they could, they could use it to, in the winter, cement their canals for irrigation, mm-hmm. you know. um, So, I mean, all in all, a lot of good people, you know, good, grounded people, and there's obviously... Obviously, bad people among them. Right. In, so, what
1: do you think? What would you say on a percentage-wise, the good people that you could get along with to the bad? Mm. I,
2: I would say probably a 50-50 split. Oh, that big. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't trust even the good ones. You know? Well, you can't. No. Because you
1: can't tell them apart, right?
2: Yeah. And, yeah, there's no uniforms telling you who's a right. bad guy. But we would... Um, you know, it, it was not uncommon for, you know, they all knew the locals all knew what was going on around there. Mm-hmm. You know, so if we got in, I, re- I remember several instances right before a firefight would commence, and locals saying, "Hey, you need to leave." I'm like, well, we're not picking up any intelligence that tells us we need to leave, and then within about two to three minutes, oh, it was on.
1: That's what you were talking yeah. about. <laughs> so they they knew,
2: and some yeah. there was good people around there that wanted to. You know, do the right thing and get us out of there and keep us safe. You know,
1: what was their food like?
2: Lots of goat, lots of, we'd call them tortillas over here, but lots of like flatbread, lots of vegetables.
1: Not, not much beef.
2: I do oh, no, okay. no, not much beef. I mean, yeah, herds of goats, you know, wandering around the. A lot easier for the terrain, huh? Yeah, yeah. So,
0: no beef. No beef. No beef. No beef. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um,
2: yeah, we had a chow hall you know on the fob where we could go eat um you know that had you know breakfasts at this time and mm-hmm. they and ship lots.
0: food in for that stuff yeah so, yeah. yeah not our, just you're not stuck on MREs right here
2: no i mean when we we'd go out on a longer mission we'd be stuck on MREs but we could go in and get So
0: you them. can't even
1: see if the women are beautiful?
2: No. No, i think probably the oldest girl that i saw there uh locally was uh maybe 13 after that they're married yep and covered yep covered up i'd see a 12 or 13 year old girl and then you'd see a older woman that was widowed you know right then at that point and and i mean the women do 95 percent of the work in the fields i that's
1: what's my next question with Mm -hmm. all those wives that uh, that those men have in a labor intensive environment they have to work. Yeah. I mean, there's no way you can feed that many people. One man can't feed that many people and do that much plowing.
0: Exactly. So that they is. just opt to do none of it. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just, I need to get another wife. Yeah, yeah. I, like, yeah. To work. I like my,
0: <laughs> my <laughs> aunt and uncle
1: had a an, a board in their pool room that said, uh, when the white man came, I got, I'm going to mess it up a little bit. The Indians... The men did the hunting, and the women did all of the work. And <laughs> the white man thought he would improve on that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> idiots. <a> backwards. Yeah, <laughs> dummies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what was surprising to it, to the whole lifestyle there, to you?
2: Um, the the probably, I mean, obviously, multiple wives. Right, you know, was, but was strange. But the, I mean. Like you kind of indicated earlier, being extremely content with nothing. Yeah. You know, them being fine with that and not, I mean, they know and they hate us. A lot the people, the bad people over there hate our Western civilization and our iPhones and our.
1: Because they feel like. I, do, I don't know. I, don't I know mean, why do they feel like that's why they're, they don't have the things they have that we're holding them down. I don't know or if they taking.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's if if it all of it they think is a distraction from some of their Sharia law and Islam from is
1: from uh, uh, Allah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I but so if they hate us so much, why do the, the does the other half are they
2: not bothered? I think maybe some of them just want to get along, and uh, as well as maybe selfishly take advantage of some of the resources that we could supply. Like, I mean, I, I would have to go maybe every 10 or 14 days. I'd have to fly, and the, we couldn't, no fixed-wing aircraft could land where we lived because of the mountains, so it was all by helicopter. Yep. So I'd fly every couple of weeks or so down to a, a much larger uh, base and get $25,000 cash and bring back with me for whatever to buy food or information or exactly.
1: anything. Yeah. Provide, so, you
2: know, here's 5000 for whatever we needed to use it for.
1: Do the some of the people that aren't ha- unhappy with us feel like, hey, we're living a good life. Mm-hmm. And you morons, with all your technology and all the rights you've given your women and how you let your kids run wild, you're suffering your own mm-hmm problems yeah and we're okay with it right because right. we're doing pretty good we got food we got a roof that's
0: it that's
1: all i need we're, yeah we got yeah. four
0: wives to do our plan four yeah. wives to
1: our about and we're okay with all that i mean they i guess um that's a different religion than what we we're raised with mm-hmm. but they're happy with it so w- why wouldn't they be happy with it why would they want to come our way when what they're doing matches their religion it's uh fulfilling right right
2: yeah i mean they uh, yeah i mean that's
1: so what would so what would so the biggest surprise you got that you're like wow that's pretty good which would uh, i guess maybe you already answered in that they're content Mm -hmm. with their life which you know they're not worrying about paying bills as much right You, you think that yeah. Maybe they worry about the weather and stuff more. But they've got what they need and they're happy with that. What would be the biggest thing that you're like, "Wow, that's the part I wouldn't want." Mhm.
2: Well, I mean, they they we we live in a pretty safe and comfortable environment, you know. I mean, I don't I don't worry if my kids walking to school are going to get abducted by the Taliban or something.
1: And that so okay. So that would be their biggest. Mhm problem yeah. is that the taliban could come because it's it's not a part of the normal resident's life mm-hmm. the taliban
2: right right yeah i mean they taliban was the governing authority when we came in and overthrew them but they're still i mean obviously there's negotiations with them all the time and everything and but they're always trying to disrupt where they them al-qaeda hig there's a variety of terrorist organizations that were trying to disrupt what we were doing over
1: there so the normal man and and women that are living are unarmed or not
2: Mm, yes um i mean when we when we would search houses and stuff like that we would find ak-47s and and a variety of things so is a
1: so a village could mount its own resistance to the Taliban?
2: No, I don't think so. Not really. No. So
1: that's the so that would be the other side. They're unarmed, they're out there in the village, they're secluded, no one's coming. There's no phone to even call on. Mm-hmm. So if the Taliban shows up, you are
0: you are 911.
1: Yeah. You're at their mercy. Yeah. Because they're better armed. Yeah. And so that would be or the extreme in their beliefs. And they're much more extreme. Even yeah. though the, pe- the people are of the same religion, yeah. the beliefs are more extreme and less extreme. Exactly. So they could, they could be, the Taliban could take their kids or who knows what. Exactly. Make it, that would be the unstable lifestyle that they're living exactly. that you would not want to trade right, for.
2: Right, and some of those, I mean, extremely poor but content people, you know, I mean, we we would have a meeting with them by day, and then Taliban would come through at night and say, hey, here's $5, I need you to plant this ID in that road. Well, $5 is huge. That's right. going to buy their, you know, pay, feed their yep. family for weeks, you know, um, buy fertilizer, whatever, for their fields.
1: So maybe the instability, that, so maybe the financial instability is one of the biggest struggles and probably i'm guessing in a situation like that a severe weather change is devastating
2: yeah hailstorm on their corn crop or yep you know anything Good. so there's no less stress yeah yeah so hey, you and, know
1: what i'm saying right you're stressing over you're stressing over payments and interest and all that stuff here mm-hmm. they're stressing over weather right hey you can see interest coming you can see payments coming right you see that coming you can't see weather
2: yeah the river flooding and washing their corn crop out or you know the taliban taking over doing whatever you know yeah
1: that i mean i mean weather is just a natural thing you're sweating and then you're sweating the unseen possibility of the taliban deciding hey this week we need that valley
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so, no, we were, yeah, I was there, had, had my guys, and, you know, we lived in our, our little little area that we lived in, this little uh, brick building, and my platoon sergeant and I lived together, and uh, the two squad leaders lived together, and then everybody else was bunked up, about four or five guys a room. Um, and, uh, I mean, even even being on the FOB was, was not, I mean, it wasn't like once you got inside the wire, like you could...
1: You're safe. Yeah. I right. mean, You're always got an eye Yeah.
2: Over. I mean, I, like, I, I would leave my rifle. I would check my rifle and I'd carry my, a 9mm with me on the fob because, um, I mean, we'd, not that a 9mm would help me, but we would always get in. Um, uh,
1: Why do you have to check your rifle?
2: Well, I mean, you didn't have to, but it was a lot easier walking around on the oh, fob I see. Just rather than carrying it. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I had one. You know, my platoon sergeant and I had one, and everybody else had to carry a rifle. Like, you always had to carry something wherever you were. Um, but we'd get a lot of, uh, like, mortars on on the FOB, you know, falling on the FOB, and um, there was always intel about, you know, 200 Taliban or Al-Qaeda assembling, and they're gonna overrun FOB blessing. It never happened. They did while we were there and they're they're making a movie about it, or they might be done, but there was a a cop cop Keating cop is combat outpost, so it's smaller than even what where we lived mm-hmm. and uh it got overran by i don't know two hundred guys or something' two, such small numbers yeah two two i mean two medal of honors were delivered Award. out of that mm. i mean we were we were standing mm. on the flight line getting ready to go fly in and help those guys but the the Gunfire was so heavy that they couldn't get land any helicopters in. They were just doing, you know, fixed wing dropping bombs and trying to help those guys out that way. Mm -hmm.
1: So it's a it really makes you appreciate what we have here.
2: Oh man. I Uh I, yeah, I mean I remember my first firefight and or the first time a bullet whizzes past your head Mm. and you think, Man, it's pretty we got a pretty Pretty easy back in the States. Back home. Mm-hmm. So
1: when they lob on you, when they lobbed the mortars um, on you, uh, I, m- my dad was in Vietnam, so and there were all the political rules that you, if they were over on this side, you couldn't go after them. Mm-hmm. Were you guys yes. bound by some of that? Or yeah. did you get Ru- to go after them? So
2: rules of engagement yeah. is what we'd call them. And there were some, some, some things that we would have to, and I don't want to, you know, get court martialed for saying anything. But, you know, there were some things that we would have to run up to like a two star general level for approval. For
1: clearance, like, yeah.
2: Entering a house, we would have to run up all the way up to division command for. So, approval. was there
1: one of those on the base? No, no. So, you have to do that
2: through the radio. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, you know, call up to my base, hey, so it's going on? And it would just relay. Well, 45 minutes later, That's you to That's what I was going to gonna answer, answer next. Yeah, you know? and everybody's gone. Yeah, no, we didn't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we had, so they're, they're, to enter houses, we had to have a, a certain level of approval. And um, we also had to have either Afghan National Army with us or Afghan National Police
1: so was the Afghan? Uh, w- were they in the base with you?
2: Uh, yeah, they, they had their own little section where they of lived. the base, yes yeah, sir, yeah, and um, and then the police lived outside of the base in this little uh, civic center sort of deal, uh, um, and that. But you patrolled together. We were supposed to. So, like, my commander made a directive that uh, through our deployment, hey, you've got a you always, whenever you're on patrol, you got to take army or police with you. And that was also a part of the directive. If you go in a house, the army or Afghan police. yeah, army or police have to go before you. And I would... Every, in front of you? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. They, or with intermingled, like in our patrol. Within, oh, yeah. okay. And and the Afghan army had old Humvees that we gave to them. Right. Um, and then the police just... Ripped around in like little Ford Ranger, we called them Hilux trucks. Yeah, um, no armor or anything on those. But I we would always try and leave without them because they were a liability right. than anything. Um, mm-hmm. And shortly after I got home, there was a lot of they called it blue on green fatalities where Afghan army or police were starting to kill us.
1: Right, and getting the heat action turn. Mm-hmm. So were the Afghan. um, army or the police one better or worse than the other? Yeah, um,
2: I, yeah I would put the army ahead, ahead of the yep. police. The ones that
1: are
0: on your side, inside yeah. the base with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole new level of pressure there. You're walking in a house. You've got a guy behind you that you don't know if he's going to shoot you. Exactly. Horse showing is
1: not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So,
1: <laughs> so um, the social structure or the um, people the Afghans what's it like talking to them and um
2: uh there's there's quite a bit of like I had so I had two interpreters and I'd only take one at one out with me at a time and they just rotate days um and one of them was exceptional the other one was pretty good but the one could identify even if they you know I remember us walking down the road one day and Abdul was his name or is his name he actually lives in Dallas now um said, hey, sir, these people aren't supposed to be here. Well, I didn't. Have you don't any, know. I don't know. Right. They, they, they all looked the <clears throat> same to me. And we, we had a, a little system one of my guys carried, and they could scan their retinas, and sure enough, they were hot. Like, so we arrested them right there and took them back to the base. What do you mean, hot? Well, they, they were wanted at the time.
1: How can you tell that off the retina? I,
2: they, mu- they must have gone through, uh, been arrested at some point for something, And their retina had been scanned and stored into some sort of database that our system was able to access as well. Wow.
0: (laughs) Whoa. I feel like we just walked (laughs) into a sci fi
3: movie. So,
1: (laughs) but that the US had scanned the retina? Mm -hmm. I'll be dang. So, what was the culture of the Afghan army like? I've read, people have read that, you know, the difference between the Muslim culture and the Christian culture collides sometimes. Mm -hmm. But then you also see stories about um, the Muslim
2: soldiers that are very good men. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So the the Afghan, the army, even though I would put them ahead of the police in my experience, was very, very relaxed in their training or conduct of a patrol, like where we were buttoned up and always vigilant they were smoking marijuana while we we're out on patrol yeah
1: wow yeah so like hot how much of how how much is the drugs in the culture oh well quite heavy a bit. Quite a it bit. is isn't it yeah because yeah. they derive it they get a lot of income mm-hmm. off of the drug trade
2: yeah i mean i remember seeing marijuana plants as tall as this barn over there um and it just grow wild um you know, and then, like, it's talking about the, the the culture. Like, I mean, I had tons of meetings, and we called them shuras, which was like, you know, we're having a meeting about building this canal or building this school, whatever it was. You know, like the humanitarian stuff, which I enjoyed doing as well. Um, But they, uh there lots of formalities about that. Like, you couldn't touch somebody with your left hand because that was your, dirty hand all right because no toilet paper exactly same old deal yeah (laughs) people don't even understand that
1: yeah you wipe with one hand eat with the other not Mm -hmm. yet yeah hey it's it's coming coming here
2: you couldn't you know you go into a a shura and you take your boots off and you couldn't show somebody your feet you know the the soles of your feet the bottom of your feet i don't know i think just a sign of disrespect you know because you're walking on them they're dirty and I mean, we had boots, you know, our combat boots, but they're they're running around in sandals, so their feet are always, you know, disgusting. Dirty. Right, yeah. yeah. So lots of formalities in those meetings and not a whole lot of accomplished in these actual meetings, but a lot of a lot of formality, a lot of yield A lot of figuring out how not to piss
1: somebody off exactly, right away.
2: Exactly. <laughs> nice. And um a lot of yielding to the more uh, you know, older elders. In, in these meetings and stuff, you know, just watching the interaction between the younger guys and the older guys.
1: So, back to, what are you patrolling for?
2: I mean, a lot of it, it depended on the mission. I mean, we would, there would be a humanitarian piece. Like, mm-hmm. even, for example, like, I think it was during Ramadan or one of their holidays. Like, I took, I I got five goats and delivered them in the back of my MRAPs to different village elders. You know, so... so Uh, the relationship establishment there, there was, hey, let's just keep driving around until we pick a fight with somebody. Mm. You know, there was searching for high-value targets. Um, A lot of times those more intense uh, things like that, we would have help from, you know, Rangers, SEALs, Delta Force, things like that.
0: Every time you left the FOB, though, you had to expect a firefight.
2: Absolutely.
0: I mean, if you left out of there on any kind of patrol... Yeah. You had to expect something was going to, something's yeah. going down.
2: Yeah. And we, I mean, if if it would, if we didn't have one within four or five days, we knew something was, they were brewing something. For up. something bigger. Yeah. They were saving, they were training, they were doing something. But yeah, no, you always left. <laughs> so, expecting
1: uh, Taylor, how come such, are their numbers not bigger? So, how many did you tell me were in the FOB? Around 120, right 100, Around there. 120. Yeah. So, if they're as big as sometimes they're presented from over here, they should be able to mount 1500 and run you over. Yeah. Um, what's the deal there? Is it just so isolate or is it, is it not, they're not really united?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's what there, there is not a whole lot of, like you said, unity in their cause of what, what they're upset about or fighting about from my experience. Um, like, for example, there's one valley, the Korangal Valley, that was ex- very hot in the sense of there was always bad stuff going on there. Um, they, those people that lived in that valley did not identify as Afghanis. They identified as Korangalis. It was almost like... Hey, uh, we are uh, us. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I'm from the south. You know, I'm from California. There were, but it was mo- to, to the nth degree. Mm. Um so, there was no united purpose in their cause, you know.
1: So, it's more of a tribal... Mm-hmm. Very tribal. Um, because I think sometimes in America, they get we get to thinking it's them against us, but over there, it's like it was here with the Indians and even further into the Scots-Irish, where it is, it is gr- just small groups competing with one another.
2: Yeah, yeah, not... Not the entire Afghan population trying to mm. drive the American force out, mm. you know. So, no, it was, it was good. We, like I said, we did a variety of missions, you know, from trying to deliver medical supplies and radios and soccer balls to kids to, yeah, going and finding a bad guy.
0: I have a hard time wrapping my head around you're out delivering soccer balls to kids and knowing somebody's going to shoot at you before the day's over. Yeah, yeah. Like that just, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, uh, we train horses right like I mean we don't do anything very important here and it's certainly
1: not life-threatening well I so mean, yeah Chris you know that like that's what I get to in the worrying about losing right I always equate that to nobody's not shooting like us. it's not like we're over there where you're in a a, a a patrol and when you screw up three of your guys are dead yeah hey it's a stupid horse show and, and I'm all about winning I mean I'm all about trying to win but still It's just a game.
2: We get to go home to our family. Right.
1: That's it.
3: Yeah.
0: I think this is an awesome conversation because it just, it really puts so much stuff into perspective because I know, I mean, I know a lot of guys. I know some guys that have been over there, but I've never sat down and had this talk. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like super kudos to you for sharing and being so open with us about it. Yeah. (laughs) We didn't give you any warning. No. (laughs) (laughs) Come over and have
1: a Miller highlight. <laughs> <laughs>
3: let's get to chatting.
1: Let's just visit about
0: this. Where are you going? Yeah, we thought this was a horse tram podcast. We yeah, were, we're steer daubing a minute ago. <laughs> Dripping paint on our hat. <laughs> That's right. So that
1: had to put your whole life into proportion where you were, when you're so mad because you got white paint on your hat and now you're over here in this place where people are living on a thread exactly yeah Uh,
2: no it was it was i would not trade it for anything in the world you know um i i saw the best of man and the worst of man
1: that was my next thing taylor that i'm just dying to talk about is like when you get into more life and death situations there's a drama of living with it you know, mistakes or death, Mm -hmm. but then there's the, the camaraderie when you see people that you will die with and die for. I mean, that is a whole nother, like you, you can't give that to someone.
2: Yeah. We're, We're exactly in, in the cow horse world. I think there's an awesome level of camaraderie where, man, you did a great run in the herd work or down the fence, whatever it is. You know, we all, support and care about each other mm-hmm. you know but yeah the at the level of when you come back in the wire after getting it for four hours it's it's it, you can't replace that. yeah you know you can't you can't replicate it
1: no and, my, and like my dad always says as i was growing up it's it's not winning and stuff we we're just in team stuff but he's like he always said to me you judge a man by whether you want to you want him in the foxhole with you yeah if when things get bad who is he the one you want to be in the foxhole with exactly because if, if he isn't he ain't no good it doesn't matter how much he's wh- what he can do in this world, right whether it's team roping or or cow or what well, I basketball it doesn't matter right. is he a man or not yeah that's yeah. what matters don't don't tie yourself up with somebody that when the blood gets to flowing he's not, you they're, don't know where he's at they're you need to know where he is
2: exactly <laughs> yeah and in the training before that i mean they do everything they can to prepare you for that moment but only so much can you can't completely prepare for an act when the bullets are real
1: Hey, Chris, you know, I got to tell you one thing I love when I'm riding these horses is my Martin saddle. I love the fact that they make a saddle. You can get a roping horn in. You can cowboy out of it. It still sits you where you want to sit the same as you want to sit when you're showing, when you're cutting. I love the all around ability of the seat that they've put in those saddles. I've had a ton of interaction with Brian Peterson over there at the factory. That guy goes from, they build their own trees right there in the factory. You can go in there, take a tour. They will show you a square piece of wood. And they take (laughs) that and turn it all the way into a beautiful saddle. And when you do go through there, what is staggering is how much handwork is in it. You think that there's some machine that stamps all them flowers out? Mm Mm-mm that those are all hand carved
0: no kidding that's yeah. cool
1: yeah
0: i know i've been I've, I've kind of been around them shoot since i worked at carroll's and seen them developing these saddles and they have put the work into them and i've got a couple there at the house and shoot we've got one that oh they carved our brand into there on the skirts there and my wife shows in it quite a bit and i've got another one that i won at southwest pre and i love that saddle i mean it yeah, yeah you know. go
1: online and check out Lance Johnson's saddle he got for winning the oh, that thing National Stock Car. It was
0: beautiful. So pretty.
1: They can do whatever horn you want. They have a new system where they block those stirrups a little bit, especially for your non pros and, well, for me. Because I'm terrible about cowboying, my whole life I'm wanting to get. I get my feet behind my shoulders constantly. That's just the way I was. The seat helped me immensely, but this block is another little help. When you relax your legs, your feet hang right in front of your shoulders where they're supposed to be. Instead of when you relax too much, they go behind you. I just I love it. I can't say enough about them. Can't say enough about the effort Brian has put into it. I remember out in California, he showed up out there and we're working on how to build a better saddle. And he just stops by, didn't really know him much. He stops in there and just taking it over. We have saddles scattered over my (laughs) whole, every saddle we could find, we got and put on every horse I had. And we went over the trees, the fit, the seat. I mean, just over and over and over. And they built a beautiful saddle that, I love to ride in, all day every day.
0: And you can always find Brian at the uh, Southwest Rain Cowhorse shows. He'll be in there mixing it up with us. And so this yep. guy, he's out there showing a lot of guys making saddles. That's hey, all they went saddle out shop. and but,
1: won the world on a little top sale main rate. Rain, no, how awesome yeah, is that? Congratulations,
0: Brian Peterson Senior. Yeah, it was cool. So he's in it all the way. That's awesome. So no matter what event you guys are doing, whether it's a cutting, barrel racing, raining, roping steer dobbin, steer dobbin, My favorite cow horse. There's a Martin Saddle for you. And you can go talk to them or Facebook them on... Whatever that technology is, it's fine. It's on the Martin Saddlery Facebook page. You can always send them a message right there. Or you can check them out at www.martinsaddlery.com.
1: So how much did the training do for you?
2: A lot, a lot. I mean, especially like talking on the radio. You know, I mean, there was a lot of... of practicing like when you'd get into a firefight and you'd have to call it up to the post and explain what's going on and where where you are and where the bad guys are and if you have any injured or dead and so there was a lot of so you have a
1: method to um transferring the information so Mm -hmm. you're not just on there screaming yeah that's what you're saying so you're saying hey if you didn't train Mm -hmm. if they didn't tell you how to say this many men are down this many men are here this many men are trying to kill us if you didn't have that when it really happened i mean they can't prepare you for when it really happens but at least
2: you had a pattern yeah i mean you do it thousands of times you know in these trainings is, is calling up these reports or well, when somebody was hurt, uh, we call the nine line medevac. So it was nine, nine pertinent pieces of information. The first four or five have to be delivered before the bird even turns on, like the helicopter, the medevac helicopter, to come get you. Um, you know that, and, and you just. I mean, you do it so many times that when, yeah, you do have- you're, th- guy,
1: you're starting to think it's repetitious when you're doing the training. Yeah, this and is then stupid. When, And Please. then when it happens,
2: like, whoa, could have yeah,
1: took a couple more times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A couple more rounds of that exactly. would have been great. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, yeah, no, I would like I said, I mean, seeing the, the, the best of man and the worst of man, I mean, I had a tremendous group of guys. I mean, my platoon sergeant. Had already been to Iraq, I think, twice, and this was my first deployment. I mean, and he, him and I are the same age, but um, I'm the platoon leader. Like, I'm ultimately responsible for success or failure, but he's got the experience. And he, if it wasn't for my guys, like, it would have been a totally different picture. You know, it's just like us complimenting our horses. Like, it wasn't me out there, mm-hmm. like, listening to mm-hmm. it on, on, like, your podcast. Was, I, I was just passenger, you know? So. Without them, it's terrible. Now, were you married when you were over there? No, no. I met her? No. Hadn't met her yet. So. so you're a free
1: agent still. Yeah, free agent. So my other thing is, the other thing I want to ask you about is, in being in that, seeing the best and worst of men, and coming from America where things aren't really that pertinent judgmentally, mm-hmm. what it did for you to judge a person. Yeah. Like when you're over there and mm-hmm. uh, you're in those situations you need to judge a person rapidly yeah, yeah because what you think if you depend on him for something he won't do mm-hmm. a lot of people get in trouble and what did that do for, your, for you looking at someone and how you look at someone or did it even change you that much I don't know I would say, more of a question
2: yeah, that's, I would say it initially it kind of tainted me Yes. Um because th- you were let down by a few people
1: that you had thought would be Yeah.
2: Yeah, it kind of tainted me and and as far as guys that I was o- over there with and maybe remember one one mission for example, like one guy just like oh, I can't go any further. I mean, we're climbing this mountain and it, it was a whole process to get him flown out and it totally destroyed the mission. It was supposed to be pretty covert and quiet. But um when I came home, I remember thinking like, yeah, going around and I'm back to driving my newer pickup and I can go get a burger whenever I want, and looking around thinking, like, these idiots around here have no idea how good they have it. It's almost becoming a little bitter to people that hadn't gone through that experience. Yes. And so, but that is something that personally, like, with my faith in God and, and, you know, loving other human beings, other men, regardless of what they've done or haven't done, that I've had to work on myself from from that experience Mm -hmm. you know
1: yeah it's a it's there's nothing like thinking someone will be there Mm -hmm. and they're not yeah and how it destroys your yeah your faith in your faith in him and then i feel like later in life you start thinking hey you know everyone's not that guy exactly and you need to judge people for what they can do recognize that and don't Expect them to do more than they can. It gives you more respect for the people that are, and it doesn't have to be men. It can be women that are there. Yeah. That will be there. Yeah. When, when that blood goes a flowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when, when life. But, it, but you got to take, you got to step back a little bit and recognize, hey, you can't expect exceptional from everyone no you no. got to recognize that exceptional is exceptional because a whole bunch of people aren't
2: yeah absolutely and but they can add th- yeah to it yeah. just
1: don't expect him to do what that guy did right right
2: <laughs> and the other thing it did for me too is like finding value in the relationships I, I friendships family mm. um, maybe even in like dissolving some friendships because when you see a 19 year old kid, his life ended in the blink of an eye. You're like, okay, there's a lot more important things and you know, I'm going to cherish the ones that are close to me and help everybody else. And you know, so it just makes you kind of prioritize some things in your life. Yes,
1: Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. The, that death
2: comes to all.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Death comes to all. (laughs) Whether you're
2: 19 or 69 or, 109 who knows
1: and sometimes if you're great or not great it'll get all of them exactly (laughs) get all of us sooner or later (laughs) exactly yeah it doesn't mean and then you know so that form of judgment carries over to something as insignificant as the cow horse Mm -hmm. in that this horse can only do this much right you right. can't expect them all to be great. Absolutely. I mean, that goes as far as fighting and bleeding, and who's the man and who's not, right. all the way back down to something this Which silly as silly as... one's going to show up on
0: finals Who's going yeah. yeah, to... Yeah, who is it? Yeah. Sometimes how, it isn't the horse you think. How, how do you reconcile that, though? Like, how do you... Like, coming back here and now being a professional horse trainer and building your life on a game that we all get to play, and mm-hmm. we're all super blessed to get to play this game. But, I mean... How do you do that day to day? You get up in the morning, you're like, "Yep, not going to save anybody's life today." Right. Right. No, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. I'm not responsible for anything except making a living for my family. I mean, how, what, what, what what's that like? Oh
2: man, it it, I would say you know I probably and and I don't I don't want to go down a rabbit trail, but we've <laughs> oh, that's at, what we do. That's <laughs> what we do here. That's what Be we do. here. It's cool. yeah. <laughs> but um. You know, I I mean, I got an awesome wife and two awesome little boys. And, um, you know, it it would have, so so being an officer and deployed as a first lieutenant in the Army and having the privilege of leading a platoon of awesome, capable infantrymen, um, it would have been harder to leave that life. You know, how do I reconcile, like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm not going to knock on wood. I'm not going to die today. Nobody's going to shoot at me. It would have been harder to leave that if I knew I could keep doing that for the next 30 years of my life. But physically, you can't, you know, um, just because it's hard on your body toting all that armor and stuff around. And, I mean, the progression of an officer, the farther I'd have gone up, the more I'd been on a radio or behind a computer or stuff like that, not actually out in the field getting it. Not in the game. Yeah, exactly. Been a part of the game, but, you know, sitting at a switchboard. Answering yeah. a phone, stuff like that, but it would have been real hard to to leave had I known I could continue to do that. And there's some guys that are able to later, you know, in, in the special operations community and stuff like that. But I knew that that wasn't going to happen for me. One for you, yeah. So, you know, I thought, well, and and seeing some of the experiences over there, I thought, okay, life is about this long, you know, mm-hmm. they it's can flash before you in the blink of an eye, what are you gonna do with it? well I God clearly has placed a passion in my heart for training horses and trying to do my best to help people with that and so I gotta it's my my priority to go pursue it you know so I guess that's how I kind of reconcile it is that I've always returned to horse training in some capacity and you know. I mean, made decent money as a, you know, when I got out of the Army, I was a captain and made decent money um, doing that. And I went from 5000 a month to 500 a month. <laughs> <laughs> addicted so to poverty.
1: Addicted to poverty. So, the, you know, like on such a small level, I, when I was in Australia, it was way more life and death because yeah. the cattle were... Uh, the, uh, they were all trying to kill you all the time. And you're out there in the open,
0: huh? They just didn't have guns.
1: I did. You- <laughs> <laughs> but just a little one that I found, and I had to <laughs> soak it to get it unrusted. And then I had to take a fan blade and put the damn stock back together. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Quintana still owes me a $1,000. For- <laughs> I killed... Uh, Four cows with five bullets. <laughs> <laughs> he, sw- he said, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I'd get one. <laughs> Anyhow, that rabbit hole. So, but when, you, when we were out there, life was so raw. And when I came back to civilization, it was hard not to grab the potatoes yeah. off of the plate when they came by on the way to the table. Right. I mean, we just ate off the fire. Yeah. And it was, it's, that's nowhere near what Taylor's describing to us. And it was hard for me to go back to civilization and real and be like, you guys are a bunch of wimps, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. uh, I I mean, so such a slight view of what you're talking about and it would be hard to go. It's hard to go back to such a watered down deal Mm -hmm. and it's hard to find purpose in what you're doing. Yeah other than you just enjoy it so much.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'd agree in in your experience of grabbing the potato off the plate as it went by. Like, that was just life. It was raw. You did what you had to do. And then, <laughs> oh yeah, coming back from Afghanistan, hanging out with civilian buddies, <laughs> they'd whine about, oh, man, my double macchiato it took three I minutes to get, get here it. I know. it's, just, it's so
1: insane who cares yeah. like i'm smoking cigarettes to fight hunger pain <laughs> i don't even smoke i can't even inhale I, be, I take one little cigarette and it lasts me five days because i can only puff an eighth at a time but just to stop the hunger and then you come back and they're whining because they're big mac it came with tomatoes on it and they ordered (laughs) no tomatoes you're just like what a bunch of losers but i mean you it takes a minute Mm -hmm. it takes a minute to get
2: oh absolutely (laughs) yeah there's a transition period and I, i for for everybody you know i mean i keep up with buddies that i was over there with and and i think it everybody processes and internalizes experiences whether they're in afghanistan or in australia or whatever differently and um i mean i know
1: well just the military in particular oh yeah. taylor i yeah. mean that's such a higher level mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. there's got to be some guys that just can't come back
2: no no and and, and i mean like i have a, a brother-in-law that was career officer and and you know it, it loved it thrived off of it yeah you know um yeah some guys have to know where to go when to be there and what and be told what to do when they get there yep. you know and so yep. yeah coming getting out you know fast forward to getting out of the army it's like okay well i don't have to be a physical training right. at 0, 0600 hours you know I, what do you
1: want me to do
2: yeah, somebody tell me what to somebody do somebody tell me what to do <laughs> you know enter the, the wife enter <laughs> the wife exactly <laughs> i need somebody to tell me what to do yeah she feels that role very well. <laughs> That's I what, love her.
0: My, wife, my wife wasn't going to come to Ardmore last week. I'm like, I'm like 15 horses. What am I going to do? I'm like, you need to be there. Like, we'll will set you up a mobile command center in <laughs> a fifth wheel if need be. Like, if you don't want to be around people, but I need you there to orchestrate this stuff so yeah. I can just watch cows and work horses. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... So, Let's
1: yeah. get out of the military, yeah, Taylor. Well, so, Step.
2: Yeah, I, I come home from Afghanistan May 31st, 2010. I've been fired. <laughs> you twi- didn't I remember been, that date. I've been <laughs> fired twice by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, um, uh, when, I mean, when you move three or 4,000 guys from Afghanistan back to the States, like it, it takes weeks. It's a process. And so I was adamant that I was on the last plane. All my guys were ahead of me. I landed probably about 2 o'clock in the morning there uh, in Colorado Springs, and uh, we bust to a gymnasium on Fort Carson, and there was a big ceremony, like a, a general spoke for about 10 minutes. Families were, families, wives, girlfriends, whatever they were, were in the stands waiting for us, and he released us, and it's just mass chaos. But that night, um, I mean, I remember going out to the parking lot after finding my parents and church find my duffel bags. I got two two large green duffel bags amongst a thousand, <laughs> a thousand large green, green duffel, duffel bags. bags and um
0: makes a little black samsonite pull on yeah, easy to pull.
2: <laughs> so i'm i remember clear as day searching through these duffel bags and i hear hey taylor and so i turn around it's a buddy that i was deployed with jason and uh he'd gotten hurt one night when we were out on mission he was our Fire support officer, and he happened to be with us and and anyway got hurt had to um fly go go through several hospitals on his way back to walter reed in washington d c bunch of surgeries like thirty some odd surgeries um anyway, he was there on crutches or in a wheelchair. I can't remember his wife, and my soon my wife now was there oh yeah, did you know her already? no that was the she first was just first. with him, yeah, yeah, so she so she grew up with them uh, in New York and grew up with the husband and wife. They they all grew up together, and they were high school sweethearts, this husband and wife. And Jen was working in New York and uh, had visited Colorado and wanted to move out there and was in the process uh, of moving to Colorado. And Jason got hurt that night, February twentieth, two 2010. And uh, she accelerated her moving process so that his wife could – go to Walter Reed to be with him through his mm. surgeries and she took care of their dogs and their bills and stuff like that and he wanted to come to all of our welcome home ceremonies and I just happened to be on the last plane the last option for her so she settled for me <laughs>
1: <laughs> running out here another, we're down yeah, we're down to picker. the tail.
2: <laughs> yes another
1: bad picker we're down the tail in here yeah, you need to pick somebody something
2: 3,000 guys, and that was the last <laughs> the option. The one that
1: can't find his duffel bag.
2: <laughs> I'll take him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one's going to steal that one. <laughs> yeah, so we met We met that night. I mean, it's, I don't know, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, my 26th birthday. Night I came home from Afghanistan, met Jin. Um, All you, this
0: happened on your birthday.
2: Yeah, it was pretty big. So how long are you in the birthday. Army? 8? Four years, yeah. Oh, four years. Yep. So I I went in 2007, got out. Oh, that's right. Because you know
1: all the time at Rosiers, right? Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, met Jen a few weeks later. That guy Jason hosted a barbecue, invited a, bu- a bunch of us over. You know, met her again, and then. How the long till you get married? Uh, so that was our first date it was July 27th, 2010. He's not
1: bad with dates. Have not sure you noticed?
2: Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was our first date. And, um, so 2010, summer 2010, we got married, uh, April 14th of 2000. How long before
1: you asked her to marry you?
2: It was October 13th. I was working
1: for, <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of a weirdo I Really know. <laughs> what, So how far between The first date And the Ask And
2: proposal uh, I was working for Brad So 2000 A uh, little over two years Two years mm-hmm. Yeah it was October October 13th It was right after Sanford Faturity, The first futurity I worked for Brad Barkemeyer And uh, so yeah A little over two years mm. Two years and some change So then, Brad
0: was your new Drill sergeant <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah Mindy was my was. sergeant Yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> I call him Smiling Brad. Oh yeah. Great guy. Oh my goodness, I love him. Yeah. Yeah, he's done a lot when he was heading up the uh, professionals committee mm-hmm. and what have you
2: and did a lot there. And
0: yeah, so you come back and go to work for him?
2: Nope. Well, no. No. Nope. No. Nope. Yeah. Skip so, a step. Yeah, Sorry. so I so yeah, we're summer 2010. I'm dating jen I've still got one more year left in the army, but at this point I decided I'm going to turn in my paperwork for for release and that's that's a very long process um and so i'm just i still have my platoon for the first 90 days we come back that's that's almost more dangerous those first 90 days back to you know civilization for those young soldiers uh than it is being in afghanistan i mean there's duis there's suicides there's domestic abuse there's a variety of things because they're trying to
0: fill that adrenaline.
2: Exactly, they're turned loose. They got a pile of money sitting around, and so I had them for ninety days, handing them off to a, to a brand new guy. Um, I just kind of filled my time doing paperwork, doing office work, basically preparing for the next deployment, um, and then got out uh, April. I had some, I had saved up a bunch of leave from the army and if you you can cash that in at the end and get out earlier however much earlier so i get out of of the army april 2011 and had already arranged to go work for uh tim munziker again and at this point he was in montana i move up to montana and i work work for tim for oh a year and a half a little over a year and a half or maybe a little shorter year and a half and um
0: that's when I'd have probably met you, like up there at some of them Pueblo shows and what have you, yeah, like 11, probably, 12.
2: I think that I was working for Brad by then. Okay. So I was, yeah, working for Tim because we didn't, we didn't come down to Colorado. No. We showed Montana, South Dakota, Wyoming. Working for him was awesome because Tim's super laid back, doesn't get riled up about anything, and uh, there wasn't a stitch of cell phone service where we lived uh north of Billings. So... It was almost like disconnecting from everything and kind of resetting. I think it was good for me to go work for him for a while. And we rode a lot of junk. I mean, you know, he, he'll he ride anything anybody sends him. He's not too good to ride anything. I mean, we're starting five-year-old studs and all sorts of stuff. And got to see some good cowboys and, you know, good eastern Montana cowboying. So, but... I knew I wanted to do the horse training. I'm like, man, I, I want to take this serious. Like, I gotta, I can't be in Billings, Montana. I got to go somewhere and learn some more. So I start looking. and Jen, at this point, Jen's living with me up there, and she's working in Billings, driving 124 miles every day for work. Yeah, mm. dedicated and, woman. And, then, mm.
0: and she didn't have this podcast to listen to no. on her commute. Exactly. Poor sad. her. Sad. Well, poor we're, her. Sad.
2: We're, we're live. We're living in a camper outside of tim's barn like this <laughs> down Sunday. by the river yeah down by the river <laughs> in a <laughs> van yeah oh we're living in this camper and i mean talk about just cold but nobody yeah. was shooting at you no nobody was shooting it's at me cold i remember one I, I had a habit of always checking the propane before i went to bed and i it was november december around there late fall and i forgot to check propane one night i wake up about three o'clock in the morning i look over at jen and i can see her breath and I've got a, a deal in the kitchen of this camper. It tells me my inside and outside temperature. And it's like 11 degrees in both <laughs> inside and outside. <laughs> and so so I'm scrambling around in the snow and the ice trying to find a propane tank to hook up to the camper and fill her back up. It, was, it wasn't long after that that I found a house that I could trade out for riding a handful of course <laughs> So... Anyway, we uh I start looking for looking for another job. Um and Annie Reynolds was hiring at the time. And I called her and said uh hey, you know, I this is what I want and or what I'm looking to do. What do you need? And um I sent her a video and I think oh, what's the kid that worked for Ryan Ryan Thomas? Yep. Yeah. Uh, he was working for at the time, and he, she's like, well, you're kind of about the same place as Ryan. I need, I need somebody that's a little more Rainery. And uh, so I kept looking, and she, a handful, some people said, you know, call Corey. So I called Corey and talk, spoke with Kristen, and uh, she said, no, we're good on help, uh, but call Brad, call Brad Barkmeyer. So I called Al Dunny and I said, hey, you need help. He says, no, I'll call Brad. So I finally called Brad. And um, Jen and I fly down there and interview, and he offers me a job. I was making $600 for Tim. And he's like, well, I'll start you at $1,200. I said, perfect. Boom. Doubled my wages. (laughs) And it's warm. Yeah, exactly. No checking appropriate. Yeah. I remember we flew down there in, like, July. And I remember stepping off the airplane at, like, (laughs) 9 o'clock at night thinking I just stepped onto the surface of the sun (laughs) in Scottsdale. (laughs) And I remember that first day working with him, and I'm starched up, long sleeve shirt and pants and hat and just sweating. <laughs> all these other guys probably
1: were, no air coming no, through that starch. No. None. No.
2: But I had I was on a job interview. I had to look right. look right. And he says, Hey, I'm it's all right if you want to wear a t-shirt or a polo shirt or something. I'm like, oh thank God. <laughs> I'm gonna die. So we spent I don't know, two or three days down there, offered me a job, went back to Montana. Tim was happy for us and everything, and so uh, we moved down. Jen got a job. She's, I mean, very employable, so. What was her employment? So when she was working in billing, she was working for an HVAC company. Mm. Um, and then when she, when we went to Arizona, she got a job at a bank. Doing, oh, like personal, yep. personal banker or something like that. So we worked for Brad. This is, and that's when we would cross paths, Chris. Is it at the Mid-America? Sure. Probably. You bet. Yeah, they're in Pueblo. And um, I think Lee was working for you at the time. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I worked for Brad for a while. Got to got to show quite a bit working for him. Got my first fraternity horse. A uh, He's a Pepto Spoonful gelding named Scoop of Heart my very first snaffle mm. bitter in reno and it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible yeah but thank god it's was that was terrible the- when you start out great <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> was
0: that the in the level one
2: yeah yep. yeah yeah so nice. client of his had sent it to him i i think they might have bought it at reno the year before as a two-year-old um and uh uh just wasn't enough horse for brad so he was able to convince them to let me show it. A gal named Alicia Ware out of Tucson and um uh let me show it. And, you know, I think I drugged my right-to-left lead change and maybe got drugged through a corner and, you know. Um, I hate leads. <laughs> We've
0: covered this. I hate leads. Let's <laughs> do a random pattern with
2: stops mm. and spins.
1: <laughs> but shout out to them for letting you get well, started. Well, that's it. Huh? Those,
0: I mean, those are the uh, best customers. You know, I mean... Ron and Bobby Tatum were my first ones they were customers of Todd you know and let me and you know I don't know Todd cut him a deal or whatever but <laughs> whatever that got a horse to show mm-hmm. you know I mean so yeah you can't you can't duplicate that I mean uh-uh. and it's it can be such a bad deal I mean it can be a disappointing deal because these owners buy these horses with the dream of going to the fraternity with a legitimate chance to win and now your trainer says hey Maybe not, Mm. but I got a guy. I got this fella. I got this guy. He's never shown before. (laughs) But, but I'll let him show your horse for you. Yeah. And maybe he's got a shot this other division. Yep. And some of the relationships that have been, that have blossomed out of that relationship, right? Or out of that scenario. (laughs) I mean, those customers will be with you forever sometimes. And it's like letting them in on the ground floor. And it, I mean, like I say, I mean, I'm. Well, I haven't talked Ron and Bobby in a couple of years, but I know the last time I seen him, we were in Vegas, and we sat down, and had a big dinner, a nice dinner together, the primarily prime rib, and uh,
1: fun times, fun
0: times, you know. And it's like, I mean, those people are like almost part of my family, you yeah. know, because they let me show that first horse. You know what I mean? And so it's, uh, it's my
1: first horse was the a- happy. But my first fraternity horse was Scott got Darnell Trueblood and Doc Chantilly, and it was, um, it was um, Idaho. But they go on to own Miss Plain Plain and Pepnick. I mean, I can't tell you how much it meant that they let me do that. Yeah, I mean, just those people are the ones that launch Absolutely. forever. Oh, yeah. Not someone forever. Yeah. That limited, well, at that time it was limited open, but now it's a level one, same deal, mm-hmm. getting a start. And then those horses, <clears throat> so that horse probably wasn't going to win anything with Brad and going to be the bottom end, but it goes on to be a horse for someone. Yeah. Maybe it's not an open horse or uh, something, but it's a great horse for someone at a club show or something. Just the experience. Mm. of getting it through the fraternity you know you the dream of skipping the fraternity and come back and be a great derby horse that's not realistic <laughs> that's, right? a, that's a mythical you, creature yeah right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like i a mean unibrow <laughs> yeah.
0: Unicorn. yeah unicorn unibrow unicorn same thing not even
3: <laughs>
0: no, it's, it's going through joke. the trials you it. We, we were watching cows with taylor one day and yeah this one had yeah, one horn. He had it had one horn. and He was calling it the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a mythical creature. With the unicorn
3: <laughs> made sense.
0: Yeah,
1: that's... pretty sturdy. Yeah. So those
2: guys give you a horse. Yeah. So I, and Brad was awesome at at getting horses and training that you know he knew wouldn't was wasn't going to be enough horse for him, but sending it to me. I remember a bridle horse. And and the customers, again, shout out to them allowing us to crash dummy around on on their horses. Um but uh got this Palomino mare in named Frosty Rose Blossom. Own daughter of Sun Frost. <laughs> oh that, there owned you go. Daughter. Fashionably bred, as yeah. Del
0: Hendricks would say.
2: Yeah. And um she uh I was able to show her in the Arizona Club shows and limited open bridle, and did well on her for the, for those owners, and they were <laughs> champagne. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, th- those owners were were willing to support support that. And I rode some more horses for that guy, Bill Olvey. Yeah, I had a, had a great great time at Brad when I when I worked for Brad. Uh, Ty Benson and Jason Gay were working for Corey.
0: Oh, Shetland. Yep.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, and he...
0: Terrible Jake, at wrapping feet, that guy.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he, I uh, think Jake, or yeah, Jake, or Jason, excuse me, went to go work for Jake Telford while while I was still working for Brad, and Jake Barry came in and filled his pod. Um And talk about, it, I mean...
0: A guy you want in your foxhole.
2: Exactly. Jake Berry, yeah, and Ty Benson, and talk brother. about
1: someone who can find someone with a bad picker. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, why are you married to him? He's just tall. That's yeah.
2: it. <laughs> He's got a beard now too. <laughs> I <should. laughs> Maybe that's it. Yeah. And a yeah. full head of hair. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I mean, it, that there was. We worked hard. We had a good time. Jen and I had, you know, or. Our, were engaged or married by this point and just we'd go down to the river and light a, you know start a fire and drink beer a bunch of us i remember i don't know there was probably 20 or 30 of us that rented a bunch of inner tubes and floated this river it was just good time to be had um, and uh had a great time down there and i mean the having Corey and brad and shad parkinson also training out of that barn the people that would roll through there you know for he some he keeps
0: stumbling kid. into the dream teams yeah yeah chad parkinson yeah
1: where there how do you get that much sarcasm oh yeah <laughs> man a few words <laughs> i know but everyone cuts like a knife yeah <laughs> i love that yeah. guy yeah. Yeah. i love i cannot wait to go talk to him yeah at a horse show i Need just get him on here oh <laughs> he's on the radar yeah He's kind of high profile. It'll be about 12 minutes. You long. know. We'll have to go get You'd him. be
0: surprised. Did it. you hear John Swale's interview? Yeah, I did. We got him talking. You did. Yeah. yeah. And
2: cracked the, sh- crack the shell. Look at you. But yeah, that was an awesome experience. We had a lot of fun. And I mean, being able to be around that environment, watching all those guys work those horses and guys that would even just lay over for a little while. I mean, Philip Rawls coming in and Bergen. And it's just, you couldn't, couldn't replace that. Good good place for a young guy to learn
1: exposure Mm -hmm.
2: yeah so then so jen and i are married we know that if we want a family and it's something that we don't want to drag our feet on too long about so we i mean scottsdale cost of living is pretty darn stout so we decide hey we want to we want to move back to colorado and start thinking about the family deal so i remember telling brad hey you know, and I gave him quite a bit of heads up six months or so. I'm going to leave after the fraternity. And um, it's like, just go now. Yeah. yeah. Just leave. <laughs> just leave. Yeah. So, Not. yeah. So we. Did you um, change
0: your mind? Be like, oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two no. months. Yeah. Two months notice instead. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Better. Actually, I'm already packed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we. We moved to Colorado that October or so and um hang out a shingle. And I mean just the money and the horses just started rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Never another broke day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: this the wealth. The wealth. What am I gonna do with all this? Yeah. My income tax are killing me. <laughs> We're gonna have to call Carrie Homer. Yeah. Four oh one K
2: the we, frozen we, tundra. <laughs> We uh, I put an ad out on Ranch World ads, ten dollars a year. Well classified and actually had had some Arabs lined up when we got home. And a gal pretty much kept me in business on Arabs for about two years. And, hey, did they stop? Oh no. No. These <laughs> <laughs> these were so in, much for that. Yeah, these were endurance racing Arabians. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Mm. So I had to find out a whole new way to start those. Cause I couldn't make him tired, you know? <laughs> so that was a whole different, get out of the box and figure it out. Um, and I mean that, that woman helped me buy water buckets and a wheelbarrow and hay nets and just all the things that when you start a business, you got to
1: necessary mm-hmm.
2: and a uh, great client. And, um, I mean, the horses weren't what i was wanting but they paid the bills hey yeah got to ride yeah so i was happy to do it and uh we landed at darren miller's for a little while and um i wrote a few for him to for the barn apartment that we lived in and then jen delivered the wonderful news that she was pregnant and uh with
0: all this financial stability that you have right
2: perfect we'll hire a nanny how'd that happen (laughs) oh Uh, it's weird (laughs) So um, I knew that we would have to rearrange our living arrangements. And um, so we moved back down to Canyon City, which was near where my family was. There was a a friend of our family had a barn that was empty and a 150-foot round pen. And so I borrowed my uh, brother-in-law's camper, and we moved into a campground, my pregnant wife. We were trying to buy a house, but we hadn't been in business long enough for them to count my income. Mm-hmm. So we, we could just use Jen's income from the bank and everything. And so we bought a little house in town and rented a little six-stall shed row barn with 150-foot round pen and uh, got another uh, fraternity prospect, uh, T.R. Dual Reg Gelding. Well, we was stud at the time from a gal named Desiree Westfall. We took him to Reno the last year, that 2016. Maybe. He was in Reno. Yeah, cause we've had it. Yeah. So 2016, I was able to yeah, like
1: like either one of us
0: going to go against his dates, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah no. <laughs>
3: like,
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, we're
0: going with you on the
2: dates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're with you. Yeah. So we uh, uh, showed showed him, and yeah, a drug a lead. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid, Stupid leads. I Stupid hate leads. leads. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that they 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 were a good good part of of us starting our business out and everything. And
0: um, Nicole, I think she showed in the uh, World's Greatest Horsewoman this year out there in Arizona. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mason Pate's deal yep. out there.
2: Yep, good little hand she's yep. become. So so that's yeah. So we kind of outgrow that barn in there in Canyon City that six stall. And I mean I've I mean they're long shed rows, so there's two or three living in each deal and and. uh we moved to Penrose, but uh, next town over, and rent rent space from some all around uh, paint horse trainers, Kevin Hood and Nancy Wright. Trained out of their barn for a while. I, they let me build a little cut and pin there, and um,
0: it's always hard sharing a place with different disciplines, though. Exactly. I mean, that's, yeah, that, yeah, that's a whole new set of challenges.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember running cows for their horsemanship cones, and you know, but they were. They were very, very good about it. And, but, yeah, there was, there was challenges and everything like that. But they, they, they supported it and um, had a great experience there. I wrote a little bit of stuff for them. And they helped me with my lead changes. You know, hey, yeah, that's you know. good. Yeah. That's where I should have went.
3: Right. Yeah. Dang <laughs> go
2: to, it. Go to the Western Riders Barn. Yeah. Dang it.
1: Yeah. Never thought of that.
2: Yeah. So, and then we're approached about the job to come down here. Texas bound we are Texas down here to the Wolf Den exactly so yeah jump into the deep end of the shark tank yeah and um, so we yeah no I'm working for some people right now and they were buying some nicer horses and everything like that and um,
1: had a good year last year
2: yeah yeah had 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 a good run they bought a gelding um, uh, we'd bought him from Kelby. Showed him at the futurity. He bought him from Jake Murray at some point in his two year old year.
0: This is Iconic Cat,
2: Iconic Cat, and um, he was a stud when we bought him. And then I ended up cutting him during his uh April 12th of his five year old <laughs> year. <laughs> uh, is that hey, the, the
1: even the crowd's impressed with <laughs> <but laughs> <is> it <laughs> here at the studio, yeah. <laughs> standing room only yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is
2: like jerry springer <laughs> yeah so jerry <laughs> jerry <laughs> so i was able to so, show that horse and you know from when when i got him um what at that point was the best horse i'd ever ridden um and i i mean i owe a lot to him for teaching me a lot about everything from trusting one in the rain in, to trusting one in the herd to getting more committed down the fence, a variety of things. Um, and I actually sold him uh, about a week, week and a half ago to uh, Bob Grant, bought him for a client a, of his, going to go be a ladies' boxing horse. And that, I think he's going to excel there.
1: Excellent. You got some good horses over there. At, uh, and you're at Ty and, Ty and Leslie Marshall. Leslie Marshall. Yes, sir. Yep. 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 Guys go to the same church. hmm yep. 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 Right down there in, what's here, that town? Here at Texas. What is it? Era. 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 Spell it. It's a whole new era. It's a whole new era. Era. Yeah. 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 Excellent. And uh, things have changed around a little bit. You're thinking about um, going and riding with Robert Chown.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So. um, Awesome. They're going to kind of refocus their efforts in their program. And uh, so I'm leasing some space from Robert Chown. I'm going to train out of his barn for a little while until we kind of.
0: That's good people right there.
2: Oh, yep. Awesome. Robert and Cheryl there. Just...
1: Hey, there ain't just a little bit of um, uh, history there. Right. I mean, them guys got some experience. Wow. Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm going to tell you what, like that guy, such a hero of mine. I mean, he would show up at the, when I was mostly doing the Rainers, he wouldn't show up at all the horse shows. But when he showed up, Mister, <laughs> he was there to get your money. Hey,
1: so yeah, so he didn't. He, what was the horse he used to show at the world's greatest? Um, gosh, dang it! Uh, short and roll, short, short oak. Oh, short oak, short yeah, okay. oak. Yep. Oh my God, that horse was so great. Just did not have the luck. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, short and rolls a lot the same way. Yeah, mare
2: him. I mean, him. that guy wow.
1: has made some horses really good. Great bridle, great
0: hackamore. Yeah, I just soon, like, I'll like to ride him for a little while and then send him to Robert and then get him back. And then, yeah. <laughs> get him
2: back trained. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And excellent. Like, I've been going over there for, oh, I, I bought a mare for him from him. Excuse me. A daughter, a chick, uh, for the, the people I'm working for, bridal horse. And kind of started going over there and getting help going down the fence and in the help of my reign and, and outstanding teacher. Yes, no, unbelievable
0: yep. communicator
1: all yes. the way around. Yes. Really, yeah, absolutely. Way more level-headed than mm. us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I got one more other question. So, you're how long are you in the army? Four years. And so, what's the retirement out of that? Do you get anything, or no. what? What's the?
2: No, you got to go twenty years to to retire, get it. Yep, or be a medical retiree. You know, like if you get shot. Yeah, yeah, or. You know, be some, a target. Some, some you some, just took a bull Twist your ankle. Bullet. Twist yeah. your ankle. Get out of the way. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Good. I was, oh. I was just playing on my mind. Oh, yeah. I wanted to know that one.
2: Yeah. So I had to stuck it out. I mean, let's see. You only had probably. to go f- sixteen more years. I know. And that's fast. It goes fast. Be getting I pro- out right now. I'd probably be about seven years from retirement. Oh, right now. <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> i'm doing the um
1: commentary on the snaffle bit fraternity.
2: yeah yeah this last
1: month. so taylor is going to hold the flag and allison says hey do you have a horse to hold the flag on I'm like yeah, that's your wild <laughs> i got one man i got a good one and then um brady needs a horse to do the interview on i'm like no problem this mare is so gentle I mean she is dead gentle. So you put a flag on her. I'm up there in the in the damn announcer stand, so I can't even do nothing. (laughs) Supposed to be doing my job. Taylor gets on her and goes out there with the flag. She freaks
0: out. Oh yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Everybody saw it. I would have had a gun. I would have sent Taylor I would have shot her from the deal.
1: Right. (laughs) and big shout out to our friend who never shows up Aaron Tormino what friend yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> because of Taylor who we tested it on combat veteran <laughs> she was quiet for Brady
2: good well, very yep. good good she job she yeah <laughs> that was my first fraternity finals too oh, and I'm already my. wound up and then I go out there on this fire breathing dragon I, <laughs>
1: It was so – I can't tell you how hard that was to watch.
2: <laughs> you should have been honored. I mean, I, I think, guys, the, the open finalists that were out there, I'm like trying to kick her in the shoulder and not make a scene out of it. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe if I just start spinning – It'll take that would have been awesome, but then the flag's going to be chasing her. I'm not going to sh- get her which shut would down. have been faster. Yeah. So then I think <laughs> well, just maybe spin I'll just...
0: until the end of the song and then lop <laughs> yeah. her out the right gate out. just like Tim Munzer. <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: Uh, I even crossed my mind maybe I just start running around the Coliseum yeah. like a queen, and I thought no, <laughs> ain't going to work. Poor out. King. Or king. Oh, that was <laughs> so <laughs> hard. <Yeah>. whatever. <laughs>
1: Rodeo queen, <laughs> <laughs> but this is your chance I can you hit, hit a note. We oh. got to hit a note. Come on, on. Uh, edit. just a Op- little. <laughs> Op- you've what lost is that it?
0: love and feeling. feeling. This is, hey, this is where he's using his past. Oh, he said. that love and feeling. There you go. You nailed it. You lost that love and feeling. Now it's gone, <laughs> gone, gone, gone. 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 Whoa, whoa, whoa. 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 Whoa.
3: Whoa. oh <laughs> goodness
0: man that's awesome dude i can't tell you how much we appreciate it this is uh it's been awesome yeah, oh, yeah. i appreciate you Good guys doing this. time and anybody that wants to get a hold of taylor yeah with his budding new business yeah out of robert chowns
2: facebook gillespie performance horses llc or find give us a call or i think jen's got a website hey what's your cell phone <laughs> I gotta look Go ahead Yeah Go uh, ahead Spit out airy, there Area code 719-439-3505 Give me a shout Well 749 we I don't know 419 <laughs> No No you're ruining it <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Alright try it again yeah. Do it again
0: 719-439-3505 right, Well give him a shout Any of yeah. your horse Repeat trading the needs. number No <laughs> Hey, I got married on November 5th. Shut up. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. All right, man. Well, thank you very much, and best of luck in your next ventures. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cow Horse. Full contact. Please like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram to stay tuned for future episodes.